Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Who's hot? Who's not? Tell me who rock. Who sell out in stores? You better believe it's this damn award-winning Morning Combat podcast. Hell yeah, we're back at it Monday morning. So much UFC 270 on the brain. I'm your host, Brian Campbell, that BBC with the BDE, the beige bastard indeed. But no, that's not Luke Thomas right there. You're looking at two of the kings of Connecticut, of Connecticut combat royalty. It's basically us two, Glover, Vince McMahon, the carcass of Willie Pep. That's Chuck Mindenhall, the man (laughs) in the damn hat. Chuck, Luke is away with some... Much uh, needed scheduled family time. We wish him well. But anytime we can slide you in to replace yeah. one of us, it's an upgrade, brother. I appreciate it, man. I, I'd like to send you guys on vacation more. I love this. This is the first time I've done the remote, so bear with me. But uh, I'm honored to be here, as usual. <laughs> Live from your uh, office there, somewhere in yes. Connecticut. Is that yes. is that a big cock you have on the wall behind you? It, it's actually two big cocks, uh, cock fighting. So, yes, right. thank you for yeah, noticing that. that. Thank it's you. Very, very on brand. Uh, wow, there it is. All right. Uh, quickly, Chuck, uh, just to kind of, you know, look, just check your temperature. Uh, the fans may have seen your great addition to our Morning Combat UFC 270 preview content in the past week plus from resume review to pregame preview. But then Saturday, you know, post Nganu gone, you're, you're, you know, you're showing up on, uh, on Team Helwani there on the ringer with, with Bill Simmons. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Chuck, who's congratulations to your checkbook, but who's side yon? That's what, that's what we want to know right now. You know? Well, I got to go with the checkbook right now, but I love being here, man. This is great. Thank you for having me again. Right, I appreciate a, it. Man. He's a damn gun for hire. Uh, if you like the great content that uh, we've done with Chuck Mendenhall, there's one more you can keep checking out. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. It is called High Court for the oh my God. dishonorable one himself. Charles J. Mendenhall presided over a Hall of Fame debate regarding Michael Bisping. So check what that out. What is the J for? What was the what? The J? Judicious, I believe. Okay, judicious. Okay, got maybe it. just big jerk. Uh, those were our social <laughs> handles below. Uh, you may be, you know, looking at this fine piece of merch right here. A little, a little call me crazy, one of our famous segments. Uh, you can go to morningcombat.store right now to pick up much of our merch. In fact, all of it. In fact, today we are rolling out a brand new line of fantastic stuff. You like uh, the Skeleton Luke logo line? That's new. We got some new products right there. We've got some new, you know, the, I mean, Chuck, our, our logo, it's the fist, 
in the sun, awesome. right? But, but a lot I of people it, man. think the sun. And looks, I got, I got like, like a, a very, yeah, yes, it is. I got like a very uh, quick look at some of the line, and I thought it was awesome, man. You guys have all kinds of cool shit going on there. Thank you, thank you for that compliment, Chuck. Right, and in fact, if you guys want it so badly that you're like, you know, I, I like it, I just don't want to pay full price. Well, today is your day. We are offering 10% off right now at morningcombat.store for the duration of the show. If you use our code, that's LIVE10. RJ Dunkelhauser, our fantastic merch maven, is waiting for your uh, calls or, or emails right now. Go on there, get the 10% off, outfit yourself in this great stuff. Also, uh, our partner, right, the label that pays us, Showtime, has a uh, great deal for you as well. You want Showtime? You want 30 days free? Why not, Okay. Free 99 is the cost. Go to Showtime.com. It's Showtime Championship Boxing, which we'll get to in a little bit. It's Bellator, which is back, I believe, this week, right? Ryan Bader with a bang. We're going to see a, a heavyweight unification of their own. So uh, don't miss that. Don't miss Billions. Don't miss Dexter. Whatever the hell. Chuck, do you watch anything on Showtime? It's a great app. It's a great time. I watch quite a bit of Showtime, actually. Yes, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Your very no. generic response leaves me to believe you're not, but that's <laughs> I do, fine. I do watch Showtime. I do watch that's it. Right. But, uh, I, but so, the shows you're mentioning, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, pe people aren't here necessarily, Chuck, to see us sell shit. They want to hear about Nganu Gan, a uh, fantastic uh, flyweight title co-main event in a trilogy. A lot of great stuff to get through. We mentioned our social channels below. Um, am I forgetting anything else, Chuck? Not that I'm aware of. All right, all right. Great great to have you here, Chuck. You know, that we call the... Uh, oh, there it is, Chuck. There it is. Sorry. Uh, okay. We're still in line for other awards. In fact, we're going up against Chuck's friend, Ariel Hawani in the MMA Hour, as well as a few other great shows, including Chris Jericho. Sportspodcastawards.com is rolling out their best combat sports podcast trophy plaque, whatever we're going to get. And uh, you can vote for Morning Combat. Go to that website right now. You got to log in, but you don't have to put, like, credit card or, or sign up for any loans or anything. Uh, you, can just, you can just log in, vote for us. You know, see what happens. Or vote for whatever your favorite show is. Vote for The Ringer if they can make it one year, you know? I mean, yeah, they, yeah, don't look for it. They probably won't. All right, <laughs> uh, I don't want to waste any more time, Chuck. Uh, right. Wow, wow, wow. Saturday night it went down in Anaheim, California, UFC 270, a heavyweight title unification on paper. We said, you know, could be for the ages. The biggest heavyweight title fight in years, or at least up there in that pantheon. It obviously played out a lot differently than expected coming in as Francis Ngannou takes a unanimous decision using uh, some Dagestani tactics by taking Cyril Gan down, unifying his heavyweight title. We have so much to talk about, debate, and speculate regarding Francis's future, but Chuck, nobody better in the world to break this down. Uh, I got I got questions written down. I got technical analysis, okay. but I really just want to ask you straight up your reaction <laughs> to uh, Francis Ngannou, the damn wrestler, in in not digging in and throwing big power shots, but really doing anything it took to keep his title. Well, in context, just knowing that there was a knee issue, I was wondering if there would be some other added wrinkle to what we were going to see. So I would say that I was not entirely surprised. And if you remember on our pre on our uh, at our tailgating party or whatever we call this thing uh, the pre the pre fight show we I basically said I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some wrestling from Engano and I remember Luke looked at me like he just taken a very strong gummy or something like that. Well, he, like, well he, he didn't. It turns out Chuck he had okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I so there was a little bit and it was more based on like maybe if he was getting outstruck on the feet we might see some disruptive something in there maybe something to mix it up throw him off base. I didn't really see it coming down though after those first two rounds. 
where it's just basically he's losing a fight where it looks like it's going to go five rounds, the pattern is set. So when he got that third round takedown, that big takedown, I think that that was an eye opener. And the fact that he was able to kind of, kind of, you know, repeat that process, it was crazy, right? I mean, especially in the fifth round, like the way the fight went down, it was just, it was not, uh, it was not something that anybody really expected to see. But it was, I thought it was an awesome new wrinkle to like what this guy is actually capable of. It reminded me, you, you, you can tell me if you, if this is an accurate. Um, kind of comparison, but UFC 165, we'd never see, there were a lot of firsts in that fight. John Jones was, you know, taken down for the first time ever. John Jones was cut for the first time ever. John Jones was Gustafson. behind. Yeah, against Gustafson. He, you know, he's losing on the scorecards, essentially going into the deeper rounds, and we had to see him dig deep and find a way, and in his case, I think it was a spinning elbow. In this one, it just happened to be grappling. Nobody saw it coming, but it was very effective, and it was clear that Gon had no real response for it other than to to reach for some submission attempts and things like that. Just really wild stuff, man. But I think it adds to the layers that you were talking about a little bit with Nganu. As we were going in, you're like, what version are we going to get? I think it just adds to the dimensions of this guy. Uh, to me, it adds to the the overall, you know, amazing, ridiculous, improbable story of him becoming, you know, UFC heavyweight champion. And in this fight, he had to really bite down and just figure out. You know, you mentioned the comparison to Jones Gustafson one, it, it looked in a softer way, a little bit like, you know, Jan Blahovich versus uh, Israel Adesanya for me in, in the same yeah. mid-fight adjustment to wrestling. But I'm glad that you brought up that, you know, you did mention on our pregame preview, which, uh, you know, I'm happy to say that is a form for real talk, right? Is, like yes, men do. And it turns yes, out there were, you know, at least one or two men who thought this could be a thing. Now on Twitter, they were as shocked as we were. Can we throw up this tweet, you know, of... Uh, of the reaction to Francis wrestling, you know, with the great uh, Polar Express picture there, the nerd. Actually, I knew Francis's <laughs> offensive wrestling would be a deciding factor in the fight. Didn't really surprise me. Well, Chuck, it turns out you said it could happen. I think you'd have to be a genius to announce ahead of time that that that's even. Wait, wait, what's a? Oh, we we have video. There is actually there's oh. one person who predicted it. We do have video. Let's check it out. My greatest actual fight question. I know I'm talking very theatrical and generic here, but my greatest in-fight question is what happens if Francis gets a takedown and moves to top position and is sort of a next level grounded pound at force? I mean, what if he, what if he's a freaking nightmare down there? We saw him. He looked really good against Stipe in that rematch. It was a very small you know, sample size, but like those are some of the things that I'm like, if you, if he starts going downhill, like he may never, I don't think, I don't know if you can stop him. And, it, and it not even from a one punch scenario, more from he's just going to maul you and take you down. Well, the only problem is uh, Cyril Gon, granted, 10 fights total. So keep that in mind. But he's got a 100% takedown defensive rate. Now, also. Now, Chuck, yeah. as you can see, what I mean, an award winning take from an award winning yes, show. Very you know, good. Luke, Luke Thomas predicted we had no chance of winning in that award, by the way, and that there'd be. Not a great chance that Gon could be taken down consistently. Now, my mention His of takes going, don't age well, do they? They don't. They really don't. Uh, the mention of downhill from me there was, you know, if, if in a football sense, if if Ngannou's running downhill and he's using the wrestling to control, it could be a problem given his size. Now, Chuck, it turned out that he wasn't as busy on top. When I made that sort of, hey, guys, I think this could be something, I'm thinking Brock Lesnar grounded pound. This turned out to be more of positional control, key times yeah. from Nganu. And when we find out, Chuck, what we found out afterwards, that those knee pads were not there for fashion, that Francis had torn his damn MCL mm -hmm. 
and in in you know weeks before and injured his ACL and some other CL in his knee in the in the weeks leading up to this, yet still took the fight, which is sort of a topic I want to put on the shelf for until we talk sure. about his future. But in relation to this fight, I look at this as him having won this fight with heart, certainly because he would re- he refused to to stop finding an avenue to victory, but with IQ. To basically yeah. say, my knees will not allow me to plant and be the striker that I'm used to being, so I got to come up with something else. Yeah. Holy crap, Chuck. I wonder to an extent if this was the fallback option, because obviously the first takedown was pretty explosive, but he was still very raw, right? Like like you mentioned, he, him advancing into better positions, it didn't seem like he had all of the tools, but he did have strength. And he did sort of seem to know if he took... Cyril gone down, that might be a very good way of just kind of keeping him there. And I think a lot of people were pointing out that Ngannou was kind of huffing after, you know, midway through the first round, his, his mouth was open. He just looked tired. I think that the narrative going in was like, hey, he wears down. We saw him do that in the first Miocic fight. Um, if you take him into the deep rounds, with see him kind of gasping for air early. The fixation was that he's the one getting fatigued. But as we kind of saw, man, I mean, Gone at some point is doing the exact same thing. And I think it really played out once he was on the ground that he didn't have a lot of answers there either. So Ngana didn't have to be polished. He didn't have to have like, you know, extreme grappling skills. He just had to have his strength. And like you mentioned, the IQ to keep it there and kind of uh, pound him out. He didn't he didn't get off. I was thinking the same thing you were, that, that we might see some vicious ground and pound. He wasn't able to do that, but he was able to fend off any real danger and kind of keep uh, keep Gon dancing to his tune. So He's able it was to just a masterstroke, man. Yeah, you know, I want to get to, to Gon in a second. Uh, the sco- also, by the way, if you love you some Luke Thomas, which if you're subscribed to the show, you do. Luke did do an instant analysis after 270 on Saturday night. Go to YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Get Luke's full take before he headed off on vacation. Um, there were two key turning point moments not far from each other. The end of round two, where I'm sure you had the same feel as I did, texting Luke and Mikey Morms on CBS and going, you know, and God was giving this fight away. We weren't really fully sure at that moment the the full uh, knee injury and how much it could compromise sure. him. I just thought he wasn't trying enough. He wasn't letting his hands go out of fear, similar to what Cyril Gon did to Derek Lewis, by the way, out of sort of freezing him in fear that he'd get countered. Then I'm like you. I'm like, is Nganu, you know, already tired? What the hell's going on here? The turning point for Nganu, though, came at the end of round three. Round three was the first one where Nganu slammed him, took him down a second time, but really just leaned on him a lot, took his back briefly, just put that weight on him. It was Big Frank who said he saw Cyril Gon walking back to the corner and not only exhausted, but defeated in his mm-hmm. face. So this ended up becoming in the championship rounds. More about will than it was about skill or death-defying power and all that. Before we get too further into this, I got into a little bit of hot water with the hardcore MMA fans after Uh Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic Part 2, where Cormier dominated with wrestling in the first round, slammed the shit out of Stipe, and then slowly sort of imploded and made big mistakes over the next few rounds and went away from that game plan. I said at the time, DC didn't didn't or Stipe didn't win this fight. DC lost it. Obviously, Chuck, mm. it's never that cut and dry because true. all the factors come together to make the picture that we see, right? But yes. what is more true? That Francis Ngannou won this fight or that Cyril Gon lost it? Oh God, that's a tough one. But I would say that Ngannou won it. I think that that's really the way I'm viewing it. Um, I will say that Cyril Gon 
will definitely be able to look back at this fight and say, hey man, I could have done this different, I could have done this different, I was winning this fight. He's going to kick himself when he looks at that tape a little bit. But at the same time, uh, you know, Ngano had to go through the same thing, right? Like he, when he fought Miocic the first time, there was a lot of things he learned. He came out a di very different fighter, almost altered to his detriment against Derek Lewis. But then after that, we've seen him kind of like build himself back up into what he's become. I think it was actually helpful for, helpful for him down the line to have that fight. I feel like Cyril gone where he's at, um, and especially since he was winning those first rounds, he's going to be able to use this to his advantage as he makes his next move. I, I know for, I feel like it's a certainty that he will end up in a title fight again. And yes. it seems better than 50-50 that at some point he will hold that title. So I think he's going to learn from it. All right, let's quickly talk. I, I want to hit everything here because this, this matters. Okay. This was a monstrous fight. The scorecards in the end, 48-47. That's three rounds to do for Nganu. And then 49-46, which ruffled some people's feathers. But to be fair, that first round was so anticlimactic with the stuff mm. takedowns, the clinch work, and they both landed a couple strikes that it's not absurd to give Nganu the first round. I didn't do it. I scored it one and two for Gan. Final three for Nganu, yeah. like most people. But Same. there is some rumbling underneath of saying, look, to the letter of the law in terms of top position, I'm not sure Nganu actually did enough activity-wise to get the clear nod. I want to know how you scored it, and I want to know if there's a deeper uh, you know, a conversation okay. within that. No, I don't think there is, because honestly, I thought they were all very clear rounds. One and two for Gone, the next three for Nganu. The takedowns, given the level of activity, right? Like you're looking at what, what is actually happening in there. Now, so there's not a lot. You're getting Gone piecing them up a little bit here and there, but not there's nothing really happening that's definitive. So those takedowns actually factored in in a bigger, in a bigger way. Now... Was it one of those things where he's, you know, Gon had some submission attempts. He was trying to do some stuff from the bottom. But you remember like Shiruto versus uh, Matt Hughes back in the day. It was Matt Hughes who was getting dictated to. Like Shiruto's on the bottom, but he's the one that completely always putting uh, Matt Hughes in danger of submission. Fend off, fend off, fend off. Sim similar to the Miguel Torres fight with Demetrius uh, Johnson. This fight actually was nothing like that. It was more like Hail Mary's. You know what I mean? That we're coming from the bottom, like, let me try this. But more of desperation, more out of need, not basic offense. It wasn't like he was trying to offensively get off from the bottom there. Like, So I feel like, you know, Ngano did more than enough in terms of just kind of dictating the action. And I think that that matters in this. And the new, you know, once he was able to, uh, once he was able to kind of keep gone there, I felt, I felt like he was doing enough. I mean, he was still trying to land. He was trying to improve his position. He was doing the things they're looking for. I just didn't feel like he had the skill set necessarily to get it done. But the experience, uh, the experience, yeah, he didn't have key. the experience for both. No, of I mean, them. look, for both. At, of them. At end of the day, Cyril Gan has been an MMA fighter professionally for three years. I mean, that's wild. That's insane. That is yeah. wild. So, to your earlier point, you know, he's going to get a lot better. He's going to be back in a title fight sooner than later. Believe all that. But but you nailed it. I agree with your take on the scoring. And I think we have to look a little bit deeper at this argument, meaning this. There's a difference between lay and pray, which is why the change mm -hmm. in the scoring basis was necessary, that just control is enough, and being, you know, really offensive with fists and, and knees and what have you. But, Chuck, what about weaponizing size or sure. some technique to, to speed up fatigue? Because that's the difference in those two turning points, the start around three to the end of it, and gone never being the same. and uh, let's look at uh, Juliana Pena and her upset of Amanda Nunes. Yeah. She doesn't get to the point of stopping her, 
without tugging on that arm on the ground and wearing Amanda down. Yeah. So there is something to be said for that. I thought. And Ngannou, just nullifying, right? Like you're nullifying yeah. the other guy's offense. Like he basically took gone completely out of a game plan and put him in, in basic deep water that he didn't know how to get out of. I mean, all of those things should factor in a nuanced fight like this. Now, look, I want to limit the bad things we can say about Cyril gone because it's so new. But, you know, and I also want to limit the amount of times I just drop big doggies on, on Luke's face here. But here's the deal, Chuck. <laughs> Don't um, limit that. In an Don't era of me, Barry Horowitzing myself enough, here's what I got to say. What was my biggest question coming in for anybody that watched Friday's pregame show? You know, I certainly questioned whether Ngannou could use wrestling offensively. But my biggest question was, even though Cyril Ghosn looks to be in the fights leading up to this, like everything and more of heavyweight 2.0, the future, mm. all that stuff. Even him being the betting favorite at the end of the day, I wouldn't have gone that way, but I get it. But my question was, yeah. when you hear Ferdinand Lopez talk to Luke or anyone else, and he did a great interview with Luke back in October, he said, gone striking was so advanced for having so little experience that he chose to teach him how to be, how to stay away from situations in which he can be taken down or hit clean in close proximity. And he basically taught him an avoidance style. Chuck, that wins when you are completely controlling the terms of the fight, right. which Cyril Gan did for every UFC fight and the first two rounds against Nganu. But I had questions about what would happen. Would yeah. he implode if the, if the scales shifted? They shifted. We just don't have evidence outside of his submission wins early in UFC. We've never seen him taken down. We don't have evidence that he could not only have to come back from adversity, but make key adjustments on the ground. A lot of it was assumptions sure. because of how stinking dynamic he is with things like speed, timing, game planning, IQ, and even what we thought stamina because he had mm -hmm. gone the distance five rounds coming in. Do you throw any shade at him <laughs> and Coach Lopez, who after rounds three and four did say, you're down on the cards. You need to win. You know, you need to come back. And maybe that fueled that giant fifth round mistake that a lot of people are harping on where Cyril Gaon went for the leg submission, ended up losing the position, ended up losing the fight. How deeply are you going to throw some shade on everything I just said? I think it's fair to criticize Ferdinand on this because, you know, it, it's fair to do it. But at the same time, nobody knows their charge. Nobody knows their, their principal fighter quite like the trainer, right? Like this guy's been with him since the beginning and i think that one of those types of situations where you kind of have to understand the mental makeup of your guy so if you're telling him hey you're losing this fight you need to go out there and do something and maybe that did play into him uh making a stupid mistake but i would like to think that he was dialed into his guy and maybe that's how he thought he could best motivate him or give him a a, a situation dower or whatever it is that he was going to go out and get an optimal performance in those in that last round it's a weird one man um I think the the reason we can question him at all, though, is like you're mentioning some of the confidence that was coming out of it uh, with with the style, saying he's the best striker three years in, all those things, uh, basically playing a little more defensive with his uh, his way and preventing the takedown. Those things kind of backfire, right? And everything, it's all brilliant. It looks brilliant until it doesn't work, and this is one of those situations where it didn't work. So. Um, it's fair to criticize them, man. That's the fight game. That's what well, the great well, thing Chuck, is. You can, you, you can criticize them. I paint in broad strokes, right? And people hate yes. that about me, right? They're, oh, BC just started watching MMA last year. I mean, look at his paintings. It's just broad <laughs> They're still strokes. telling you that? Chuck, you see, you can you can see the, the, the butterfly forming in this cocoon, right? This is this is MK. We're coming. Anyway, um, I texted Luke, you know, after the fight. I said, look, Nganu found a way to get gone into the deep waters and gone couldn't swim out of the inexperience. And he said, no, that's a mistake. You missed it. 
Is that yeah. casual general take true in this case? No, I, I don't think that's a mistake. I mean, Luke's convinced of his opinion. See, that's the thing. That's that's his flaw, right? That's the, that's the flaw in his game. But I, I should I, spend the rest of the show just kind of breaking down Luke's, Luke's flaws. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have heard Luke's take on the show, to be honest. But uh, I'm with you, DC. I'm a BC, DC, BC. I'm with you. R I go by RC. My friend. RC. Okay. Thank you. All right, Chuck. Fin <laughs> finally, on segment one here. I never on, call on... you that, by the way. That's just I, that's why I stumble. I never actually call you that. You know, you don't. You're, what you use, you call me Brian by my government name. I do. We're both Connecticut guys. Well, although you know, right. you're Colorado by by birth. I am Charles, Colorado. You know? I relate to the 303. Come on. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Out you, here. you, Mike Alvarado, Cowboys. <laughs> right. All those guys. Uh, Chuck, finally on this, um, save your analysis on what this means into into Ngannou's future. Meaning, God, his knee injury was so severe, but he hates the UFC so much that he was like, I don't care. I'm fighting anyway. Right. But in terms of the relation to keeping your title and being in this fight, do you consider Francis Ngannou's decision to fight through disastrously potential major injuries, meaning his doc he claimed his doctor told him a week before the fight that you're, you're risking permanent damage on this knee if you fight. Now, look, that it's not he won't be the first guy to fight hurt, and I get that. But look, this is a heavyweight title fight. You're, you're in a key negotiation spot for your future. He chose to gamble. He pulled it off. But is this, yeah. is this reckless? Or was this like, <laughs> hey, man, this is betting on yourself and just leaning on your toughness. How do you see that? Yes. Yes to both. I feel like it was reckless, but I also feel like it, it speaks to a little bit about who he is and his situation. I think that he wanted to go through with this um, come hell or high water because, honestly, if he loses this fight, he also has the same excuse, right? Like, well, my knee my knee was compromised. Uh, I couldn't do everything I wanted to do. And, and, and then, right, he's a free agent or... He has a, he's basically out of the, the contract, but in this situation, he's able to win it. He was gambling on himself and it paid off. And now you, I mean, now this is, this is the fascination in most historical contexts with the UFC. Guys who are gambling on themselves, the UFC wins it for whatever reason. The UFC always comes out uh, with the desired result and the guy who, you know, was betting on himself, you know, ends up leaving or whatever it is, or, you know, compromising because he didn't win that fight. So this is one of those rare hurdles that gets cleared. And now it becomes fascinating to see how 2022 plays out for Francis Ngannou. But it was reckless. I mean, let's face it, man, like you go in there, I, it was a calculated risk, but it was reckless in that sense. I mean, where his mojo was at, I and mean, we were talking about this after his last fight with uh, Miocic, I mean, like where he's at and where he's capable of getting you don't want to lose that. That's where he, you know, that's where he's can be transcendent. So to lose this fight in some bad way would have hurt him, but he didn't. So it did pay off. Good for him, man. I don't know if I would have done it in that position, but uh, I think it speaks to who he is, man, as a what competitor. A crazy, crazy time in a unique situation, being the champion, being at the end of his contract, fighting the yeah. management just as much as you're fighting your own injury and your opponent. I mean, this is central casting in a lot of ways. And, you know, 100%. Good buddy of this show, Oteil Burbridge, the bassist for uh, Dead and Company, was lighting me up after the fight, going like, "How is Francis not your favorite fighter ever?" After watching his story, and this, this is sort of like yeah. the a monster plotline added into the movie about his life that'll one day be made. I mean, I, I don't want to go too far without stopping and just being like, whether it was reckless yeah. or not, Francis being here right now at thirty-five is the result of some reckless decisions to to go after his dreams yeah. in life no matter what i mean it's 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 sort of it's crazy but it's on brand it's it's consistent yeah. so and that's why it's, it's why it's it's kind of hard to tell him 
hey, you can't fight Fury, you know? Like, if he, if he, the, his trajectory, where he's come from, where he's ended up, and just what he's been able to do, I mean, the guy should be given those types of chances in life at this point. You know what I mean? That's kind of the, that's kind of the lifetime award for having survived where he came from to get to where he is. And, it's and, crazy, and also, man. And also, sir, like, we talk about Gon will be better for this, and I believe that. I, if you're asking me what's next for Gon, he's going to get right back I in agree. line. He's going to learn from his mistakes. He's, you could tell that the intangibles are there. So this will be his Stipe losing to JDS in their first fight over five sure. rounds, or even yep. Ngannou losing to Stipe over five rounds in their first fight. But for Francis, it's damn man. I I, I love yeah. him. I love the man because so you not... have a higher stock him because you were at the highest point of your if you're in Ghana stock going into uh, it's going into this fight. So are, did it move up some? You have it like did a, a bigger it, but it did, but in, in an unintended way because I thought he was going to come out and be pre extra predator, like next level. Like what we saw in that Stipe rematch was the teaser. But watch this shit go full bloom. Is he going to be yeah. doing head kicks? Is he going to be taking guys down and grinding them? I mean, there is so much potential, just as the same for Gon, to grow in huge ways. And yet he comes out and wins one, like the back doorway, the heart way, the the. It, it look. It, is it not similar to even Brock Lesnar against Shane Carwin, where you're like. You know, he's really totally. not that good. I think so. But Brock Lesnar just found a way to bite down and figure this out. Uh, and Ganu's stock in that regard, in the superhero regard, it couldn't be higher in my mind, which is the perfect transition into what the hell happens next. Topic two. I want to <laughs> talk uh, Tyson Fury. I want to talk John Jones. I want to talk UFC brass, contracts, free agency, and all that. But let's start right all here. Right. Two exclamation points came out of the end of this. Dana White, UFC president, not in the cage after Ngannou's win to put the belt around his waist, which he did the fight before when Davison Figueredo defeated Brandon Moreno. And of course, we'll get to that later in the show. And all it was Mick Maynard, the matchmaker, and also Dana 100% no-showing the post-fight press conference. Chuck, if we find out after, whether it's true or not, you know, Dana had an illness in the family and had a runoff, uh, certainly I'll apologize in hindsight. But as this stands right now, I'm sorry, it's hard, it's hard not to say this is unprofessional, this is a little bit gutless, and this is majorly telling in terms of this <laughs> larger soap opera, in terms of, like, this is a real fight for leverage for everything for Francis Ngannou's future. How else could you look at Dana White not showing up as anything but what I just said, Chuck? I don't think you can, man. That was a really, really bad look. It's petty. It means that the road is never too low, right? Like, he's he'll take that low road and it is, I, I, the last word you said is the biggest one, telling. It just tells you exactly where he holds. Now, is it just Ngannou? I'm not sure. But his management, the situation, uh, somebody kind of publicly butting heads with him in these ways. He hates when his business is aired, um, you know, even in the ESPN era, even with the, the, sale, the sale of the company and everything. He just does not like when somebody negotiates in the public, and he doesn't like it when that guy wins. Let's face it, man. So I feel like it was just a... Um, you know, it was telling. It was telling. I, I I was a little bit surprised because usually Dana, Dana does what he's supposed to do, even if it he like he'll he'll swallow the bitter pill here and there, and he'll still go through with it. So for him not to do that, man, it must be on another level what he's what he's encountering here with uh, I Engano. Mean, do you know what we ask of these athletes? Cyril Gon showed up. We ask that did. even in defeat, even in knockout defeat, unless you have to go to the hospital, we ask them to come back to the podium and sit there and talk about what just happened. They put their emotions, their yeah. their life on the line into these fights, and we ask them, hey, man, you lost. Come in, tell us about it. The fact that Dana can't do that, and look, some people tweeted at me with this. 
I have to, I don't know. You'd have to go back in real time and relive it to see if it's true. But the UFC Twitter account, which tweets so often during fights to, to kind of pull people in to try to mm -hmm. tune in last minute, they tweeted like crazy during the co-main event, not a single tweet bizarre, from the man. end of the Moreno fight through mm -hmm. Francis winning it until finally like 20 minutes later putting out that gr that That's picture weird. of Francis and saying winner. Chuck, that... <sighs> Well, you're, you're, it's it's called a promotion, right? Like the idea is to promote. So when they're doing stuff like that, obviously, it's just it's other level petty against your own guys. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's very strange. But honestly, all it does is really feed the nature of this beast. Because when Bisping was uh, not Bisping, when uh, Ben Askren was fighting in his first fight against uh, Robbie Lawler in the UFC, after all those years being out. The sentiment was that he was fighting the sub. I guess the subplot of that fight was that he was fighting the UFC. He was fighting Dana White. Ben Askren seized it. He was like he completely bashed Dana White and made it about him versus Dana White. I feel like Ngannou wasn't doing that, but that the UFC was doing that. That they were making it more more of a storyline. It only reflects better on Ngannou, and it's going to make the UFC look way worse as time goes on if this continues. Because who's the petty side here? Like, who's the one, you know, bullying and who's doing all the bad stuff? We have a sentiment right now because it's been roaring up for a long time of just about fighter pay, fighter treatment, um, equal, you know, equal distribution of all that profit and everything that's going on the TV deal, unions. We talk about this stuff. Well, here's a here's an example of a guy being mistreated. Here's an example of it. And um, I know as this year goes on and Ganu. He's going to, like, besides him just being a transcendent figure and a quintessential heavyweight, I think he's going to curry fan sentiment bigger than we've seen uh, from other fighters. I, I think he should be a, a, a hero in so many ways, especially after this performance, too. But just him standing up for what he believes. And I know a lot of people clown the Tito Ortiz tweet that he put out there supporting Nganu because it had typical oh, yeah. uh, Tito errors in it, changing the meaning. But, like... We're talking we're in the fighter pay era. This guy's arguably in the power position that a fighter could be short of being yeah. Conor McGregor's level of pay-per-view star. He's the mm -hmm. damn heavyweight champion. He just beat the guy that they were hoping would, would, would you know, take him out and, and end this debate. And you're not promoting him. And, it, and you've got the biggest fight possible on so the horizon if you want it. Well, let's talk about that. So okay. I, I said, Chuck, before this that, you know, I think winning cures all ills. It cures locker room pettiness and, and jealousy and all that. I think winning just says, look, he wants more money. If he beats Gerald Gunn, he'll demand more money. He'll get it. Everybody will be happy. But Francis's comments afterwards, when they told him during the press conference in real time that Dana didn't show up and didn't put the belt around him, he was sort of like, oh man, I, I yeah. you guys are going to have to ask him. I didn't know about this. And then Francis saying, you know, which he said leading up that he he's willing to sit out until December and just become a, a free agent with all this wildness going on. Um, I have to stop myself because we've never been here in, in this exact situation. Yeah. But, like, I'm not sure just money fixes this because Francis said in the post-fight press conference, it's about respect. I've been treated with respect. Like, you know, I've been treated like a whatever for so long. The John Jones fight yeah. is massive. It's massive. People think I'm overblowing the idea that it could no, even compete with a pay-per-view record because they both don't have history selling on this level. But it's still freaking massive after this 270 main event. Is there just naturally enough money in that fight, Chuck? Yes. That if the UFC just stops being so stubborn and meets Francis in the middle, you know, maybe not even involving a boxing fight at all and just pays him not 600 to show with no win bonus, right. 
but pays him three and a half million to fight John sure. Jones and pays John four, five, whatever. That they're underpaid to me. Chuck, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> the whole card on Saturday, the payout oh was one point eight million to the entire that. card. Yeah. And you have four you have four you have two title fights, you know, two contenders, two champions. It is absurd, right? Like when you kind of think of it this way, but it's especially under particular scrutiny when uh, the event arrives and that's what people are talking about. I mean, it's just people are talking about this because Francis Ngannou's in his situation. It's ridiculous, man. I, You have one of the biggest fights possible. And I mean in history. I think that this is one of the biggest fights possible because John Jones, for the longest time, has not been doubted going into a fight. Basically, Vegas lines are always putting him at minus 350, minus 400, he's fighting woodwork guys out of the meritocracy because he beat everybody in 205. So he's fighting the Dominic Reyes figures, you know, he's fighting those types of guys. He's beating them, he's barely beating them, but it's like, the thing is, going into it, because all of this plays out, all, all pay-per-view is in prospect. You're, you're, what are we going to earn? Him being cast as an underdog, psychologically, for a public that has heard John Jones and knows that he hasn't legit lost a fight yet, you know, he has not lost a fight yet, going into a situation where the doubt is cast on him whether or not he can actually fight a guy like Francis Ngannou, and how does he withstand, you know, this big-bodied guy he's, with all this power at a heavyweight division he's never fought in, then you get Ngannou's side of it. It's just huge. I mean, it's as big as it gets. I can, we, I, I've thought about this fight a lot, and I just think that it really doesn't get bigger. I don't know if it would hit the Nurmagomedov McGregor scale, but I think that it would if if not, it would be second to that only. It would be second to that one only. I think it has it would have potential to do one point seven five to two million. I, I think mean it so would too. It, it would have potential. You'd have to promote it right. John would have to be a very willing public player verbally and and, and but you know again you, you made a great point. The the hate the 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 casual fan candy that Connor versus uh Khabib right. was, but it was also you know, the two greatest lightweights maybe of all time and the champ who never lost his belt against the guy who has. I mean, it was a lot of things, but you're not going to be able to compete with that hate and the violence outside the cage and all that. But it's still heavyweight <laughs> fighting, and, and it's still... I mean, is John Jones 100%. trying to, to, to win a second title from this version of Francis Ngannou more impressive yeah. than GSP coming back from four to five years off and moving up in weight and trying to do the same against Bisping? It's, it's in the category, if not. I mean, it, it's right freaking there. I think it's bigger. I think it's bigger because GSP was very calculated, right? I think he looked, I mean, I'm not trying to discount what he did, but I think he looked at Michael Bisping as a guy he could beat. I think Aren't you the judge who, who just put him in the Hall of Fame on high court? Aren't you that judge? Okay. <laughs> just just checking here. Thank you. No, that was uh, my, uh, my evil. But uh, I do think that this one's bigger because John Jones... I just feel like John Jones, he's an athlete in uh, being held in a, in, a, in a very special place that he has not descended from or ascended from, Like right? We, he was the first guy to have Nike on his trunks. He was the first guy with Gatorade. Like, he was the first guy that we were talking about as, like, uh, you know, a guy, like, who is a, you know, big-time player in a sport that didn't have them uh, that other sports did. He was that guy that you could uh, put on Sports Center because he was like that. This was early on. He's never really gone above it or below it. This forces him, right? This forces him out of that space. It puts it's I, I hate to use these Ali things, but to me it's almost like the Zaire one, right? Like the Rumble in the Jungle or something, because Ali had to go beat this guy who was like a, a massive favorite, and everybody thinks, well, this this is when 
it all goes to hell. And if he goes in there and does it, this is John Jones's moment. So anytime the stakes are like that, I, I just, I love it because you know whoever wins that fight is really on a different level from where they went in. So to me, this one is a whole different thing. I just kind of, I think that a lot of people suspected that GSP would beat Bisping, that's all. So I mean, there's a lot, lot more doubt, yeah. They're not too dissimilar. So me even saying three and a half million to Francis, you know, four or five to John, obviously that's still absurdly low paid compared to, you know, oh, boxing where Canelo and, and- And UFC doesn't want to pay either one of them. I feel like they're, no. they're bigger so, with John too. I mean, so. what do you think they actually deserve here? Not what are they going to get, but what do you think they actually deserve for payouts? I mean, is it 10 million a piece? Because in boxing, they'd be getting, for a fight this big, I they'd know. be getting- Guaranteed forty to fifty each, right? I mean, it's 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 because of the model the UFC has and the way that the distribution of the pay per view works. Even though they're they're still banking so huge on everything, I just it's never been in their model. The other thing is they're so cautious to not set a precedent, right? They don't want to set a True. precedent of like boxing where it's like guys can make that because once they do that, you're going to have everybody who thinks that they deserve more money. Yeah, I just Connor, Connor in July, deserve? right? Yeah. Connor in July at International Fight Week will be like, okay, Dana, now we work, now we play now it's good, what, let's do it. But what they deserve, I'm like, they deserve what you just said. They deserve, you know, they deserve that. $10 million, they deserve that. That's that's the type of, the type of fight it is. But what they'll get, I don't think it's anywhere near that. Um, I think that the, the compromise, and they... They may get a couple of million, right? Like I think that that's more in the range, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this, how you know, how the UFC compromises, because that's the fascination of Engano winning. Now I feel like we have to see how the UFC responds. But my guess is that they work something out more in that range. It's not All going right. to be what what they should. Let get. me rapid fire question you here because I do have a lot of questions about this. Um, all right. From all the facts you have, from what we learned Saturday before, during, and after this fight, uh, is it more likely? That Francis Ngannou and the UFC settle on a financial middle ground, and he fights John Jones next in 2022, or is it more likely that Francis waits until December and walks on his own <laughs> and figures this out? I think it's more likely that he gets John Jones. Now I say this banking that the UFC knows its business and that they've always made sound business decisions for the most part through their career. That's why the that's why they ended up where they are. I just think you can't throw that away. I can't imagine that you're going to let this guy sit there this amount of time. But the stubbornness of some of the UFC officials, especially Dana White, knows no bounds. So I won't be surprised if we see the latter scenario. But as of right this second, I'm, I'm, I would be banking more on the, uh, the former there. I like your point that they're too savvy to, to F this up. So maybe this large public statement of Francis, we don't support you post-fight Saturday night, is just a way to get 3 to $5 million off the final deal when they yeah. do sit down to do i mean it's probably true all right another rapid fire one is john jones was very confident i didn't send in all his tweets because he deleted a lot of them but he was very <laughs> confident i was wondering ab about that I didn't about his chances all right. yeah against both fighters should he be based on what he saw or do you like me realize okay that's compromised knee francis i want to see healthy francis again I because i still remember the steep rematch okay who is well, should john be more confident than he was coming in after watching this fight I think he should be. I think he should be. But what's with the the the, the tweet at the very end where he's like, maybe I'll just retire early or whatever. I mean, uh, to me, I'm like, I don't know. Are you reading into the doubts he might be having? I have I no imagine idea, Richard man. Schaefer texted him and was like, hey, don't seem too That's, eager or the UFC is going to offer you one million true. to fight Francis. All right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I would if I I think John Jones should feel confident. You know, I think he should feel confident. I mean, he is. He's a good stand-up fighter, man. I think he and he has a chin and all that stuff. I think he should feel confident where he's at going into that fight. 
right. Uh, I think I, I think John comes closer. Whereas when when Francis blew away Stipe in the rematch, I'm like, for the first time ever, I don't think John Jones is going to beat every single heavyweight like I thought he would. Like now, right. I'd easily favor Ngannou. Um, I, it's John. Yeah, when he tough. first when he first was coming up, it was like you thought that he would go into it would be seamless. He would be able to beat whoever the champion in uh, a heavyweight, and he would be one of those guys who has a second belt. That is not the case anymore. Well, if you're Duvall. if you're if you're John and you watch Gone, you're thinking, okay, you know, I, I shouldn't point fight this guy for 25 minutes. That's where I'm setting myself up to lose. But I think John saw that and goes, I have better intangibles than him. I can also take him down. You know, I'll yes. just out grit him and I'll figure it out. John, looking at this version of Francis, you got to be careful though because that knee. I mean, God, there's an MCL injury. Like no one comes, no one takes. Yeah, short of Kane making that, you know, questionable decision to 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 take the first fight with JDS, even though he had that bad knee injury on yeah. Fox. I mean, back then you have no leverage. You, you gotta, you gotta take, you know, you gotta do it. I'm sure John Jones was watching this fight and he sees those knee braces and he's thinking, I would be oblique kicking the hell oh, shit. out of that oh, knee. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he would be been leading with it. elbows to the kneecap. He'd be going <laughs> after that shit. You know, look have, at this. Man. At the end of the day, I'm fucking them both up. I want to see that energy, by the way, from John. So I like those tweets. Closing on Ngannou's future. This is obviously Chuck, not the the perfect tryout fight to get people excited about Engano versus Tyson Fury. So my question to you not is, would you want to see it? Like, we're like, no, we don't really want to see it. But it seems to be really important to Francis to the level that Joe Rogan actually asked him about it. So to Joe's credit, in the cage afterwards, uh, do you think this has a way, a potential, of ruining negotiations because Francis wants this too much? Where if you're UFC, you probably want nothing to do with this, right? So... So how yes. is this going to be a problem in Francis accepting what they're going to offer? I don't know, but I do think that this could be a big part of negotiation is saying, let's go through the John Jones or whatever scenario that should be John Jones, but whatever the scenario is. And the, the stipulation being that he can uh, to do that as a one off, it's it's uniquely arranged and he's uniquely set up to actually get something like this done. The UFC has never really. You know, the, the, them promoting uh, McGregor and the Floyd Mayweather whole thing, that's a, a separate type of situation. But I think that if they really want to be in the Francis Ngannou business, they're probably going to have to address that. And if they're going to do that, I would make sure that he's fighting John Jones, right? Like that, you try to get the fight you want, and then maybe you set something up um, where they compromise and they, they allow that to happen. But I agree with you, though. I think that the outcry, I'd rather, much rather, like, see John Jones. I would just I just want to see him compete against that guy and then he can do what he wants. You know what I mean? I want to see that fight but and then he could uh, if he wants to go on a lark and take on Fury, go for it. From my own personal perspective. Well, yeah, that's fair. And we're going to transition in a second to this co-main event in which we're going to talk about Henry Cejudo's role in that. Kamaru Usman's role in Ngannou's corner, mm. obviously what you saw with the wrestling and the confidence in doing that. Uh we want to talk so positively about Extreme Couture and Eric Nixick and Dewey Cooper and they had a gr they were incredible between rounds in the corner, encouraging Francis and, and yeah. you know, everything was great. But I wonder if Kamaru had a bigger impact in this when we realize. And as much as this looks like BC stirring the pot up, do you remember when Luke Rockhold threw out that comment in his interview with Ariel a couple months back where he's like, man, I think uh, Francis, Kamaru and Adesanya should join up as three African brothers and together make a stand against UFC to 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 mm -hmm. change contracts and fighter pay because it'd be a lot harder for the UFC to fight off your three of your biggest stars, especially three strong black men saying enough is enough against the white owner. I mean, it was it was delivered in a way that you could go, oh, forget that. I think there's something there, Chuck. 
There's, I think there's something there. I'm not saying union, yes. UFC, take away my, well, my fight credential. I'm just saying, I wonder. I wonder. First of all, I don't watch the show that you're talking about. But secondly, like, you know, truthfully, um, there's something to that, right? I, I do think there's something to that. Um, dude, it's just fa it's fascinating times. The, all of the things we're talking about, all these iterations, it just feels like there's a moment, like, well, after so much talk of fighter treatment and stuff, that there, there's actual um, action being taken, right? And it's now it's just a matter of what happens next and to me that's fascinating because well, you've covered this sport a long time you've covered boxing too when you get into these moments new precedents are set man new things happen and uh things get moved one way or another or somebody digs in and it starts getting ugly but it's just going to be very interesting to see how it plays out man and it's not all going to be perfect for fans we've been down that road before fighters yeah. getting a piece of it is going to slow down the momentum ufc has in expansion and putting on the best fights consistently, no matter what. But but it's it's a necessary change. All right, topic three, yep. Chuck. Before we get too deep in the show, is Davison Figueredo regaining the UFC flyweight title in this co-main trilogy title bout? It turned out to be another great fight in this rivalry. A five round, I guess you can say thriller, but it was very <laughs> it was very technical though. It was a technical thriller, meaning you had action, and that's what you love out of these guys. But there was a lot of patience, poise, setup, sure. game planning, nuances. And mm -hmm. I think it, in the end, Davison Figueredo came out with the performance I didn't see coming. Yeah. Not for a guy who has trouble making weight in this division. Not for a guy who's been so aggressive going for finishes each fight. He took the advice from Henry Cejudo and Eric Albarracin and turned that into a weapon in this fight. He did. Chuck, there were leg kicks. There was, I mean, a 34-year-old for this division. I know. To beat the guy that just stopped you in the rematch. This is a big-ass win. And, you know, and, yeah, and one that we really have to respect from Davison Figueredo. And history has not reflected well on the guy who's lost his belt in a trilogy bout going back to get it, right? It usually favors the Moreno side of it because that guy then carries momentum. He carries some kind of psychological edge in a situation like this. A lot of that was in play. Um, I think that Moreno, you know, showing up and really putting on that last performance, you know, Figueredo was something like a two-to-one underdog going into this fight, which was a little surprising. But I think the first real thing that you saw was on the scale, he looked good. He actually, that that extra pound he shed was almost like a statement, you know, that we're like reading too much into the weight thing. Um, he So he comes in 124. I thought he looked great, man. He goes in there. There was something reassuring, I think, like you're mentioning about seeing Cejudo and, you know, those guys in the score is very poised. He goes into a, a building that wants him to lose. He embraced that. You know what I mean? I think he had Moreno kind of uh, right where he wanted him in the sense that Moreno was kind of out of character too, so to speak. Like he was, I felt like he was on a, he was acting in ways that he hadn't previously acted. I didn't really care so much really for some of the theatrics uh, that were going on in the cage, like basically stopping and smiling, putting his tongue out, all that stuff. Like it, it seemed a little weird to me, but I just felt like Figueredo was a rock man, very poised. He was doing exactly what he needed to do. Like you mentioned, there's a ton of nuance. I felt like he kind of had him dialed in and he got stronger as the fight was going on. Dude, I, I, it's hats off to the guy, right? Like it's a, that, that kind of performance, I'm like, it's what you hope uh, for a guy who's a champion who thinks he, you know things went against him and he still believes in himself. That's the kind of performance you'd hope to see. So I mean, the, uh, it was the awesome. The odds were so close because even if he's over the hill by a certain degree, at 34, Figueredo can still finish you. So that's why the odds are close. They've got a history yeah. of close fights. But it was Moreno who made all of those adjustments in the second fight. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt, Chuck, if he looks back and says, 
I was a little bit overconfident in terms of what I thought Figueredo was capable of. Because you heard that pop when Moreno entered that Southern California arena of Mexican-American, you know, boxing fans most likely saying, no, this is our guy. And by the way, he still may end up being that guy because he's so young. And for all we know, they could do a fourth fight in Mexico in front of 200,000 people. I mean, like, he could still end up being that guy. But I mean, they're this... trumpeting up, you know, Mexican. He's the first Mexican champion, like Mexican-born champion. They have a, a whole video feature put out on him about his childhood. He's going into a situation where he is, uh, you know, being kind of a hero in that market and everything else. I really believe he became self-aware. That's what I didn't like. Is like he was so self-aware. It was almost like he was viewing himself from a from a from a seat and yeah. watching his own performance. Very weird. Some some will say that's happened to me. You know, I think Moreno's <laughs> personality is so great. <laughs> That, you know, once he saw how much people liked it, he's like, oh, I can be this guy all the time. And then suddenly he's a clown in front of a camera in his basement, you know, with this haircut. (laughs) I've been there. You know, I know what it is. But um, I didn't want to draw the comparison, but that's what I was thinking. Okay, that's exactly. Yeah. You would not have predicted this performance from Figueredo. It speaks huge volumes of what he's capable of as a fighter, as a as a warrior, as a student of this game. And whether like we don't know the percentage of the credit that goes to. Uh, celebrity coaching coming in like Albaracin and mm. Cejudo. But if you see what this duo of a coaching team did with Weili Zhang in the Rose rematch, if Chuck, fans are jumping at me. I know you have to take the fan reaction, whether good or bad, like John Wooden said, and <laughs> yeah. just to avoid them both. But a lot of fans like BC, stop trying to say Rose had a case or uh, Weili had a case mm. on the scorecards in that rematch. Would you Would you be the judge in this high court situation? Did Henry Cejudo guide Weili Zhang to the point where you could have scored it for her in that Rosary match? Yes, right? I think so. Okay, I think you. so. Thank you. Thank I you think so. Much. All right. Uh, back to this fight. It ends up being uh, three rounds to two on all three scorecards in the end, which I, yeah. which is the score I had. I do believe, though, that these rounds were so close, it could have gone either way. You mentioned a key piece of analysis early on in this where Moreno just looked different in there. How much were the calf kicks? Just something Ooh. that he did not believe he would have to contend to. And maybe that sort of... Because you got to give Moreno credit. He still yeah. finished a five-round fight with a case on the scorecards and, and was an action he fighter did. in there. But he was not leading the dance. Like the like the Ngannou gun, exactly right? right? He was the one exactly following right. constantly. That's exactly right. And I think that a couple of those calf kicks were like... They were early in the fight, and you could tell that they are like, oh, shit. Uh what am I going to do? Because it was it was disruptive, right? And those those hurt, you know. And I think that that um, set up some of the bigger shots too that were coming from Figueredo down the line. I just you're one hundred percent right. The dance was being led by Figueredo. That's why I really wouldn't have a problem with that scorecard. I had it one three five, I believe, for Figueredo, and I but I did think he was leading the dance. But I think you mentioned a good thing there, like Moreno had his moments, and actually Moreno probably could have got that, you know, could have got that nod. Um, that's a lot too. Like just the, the the kid has a lot of heart. I just think that he was knocked just off his moorings enough. And whether that comes from him being self-conscious, him feeling uh, pressurized by the moment, whatever it is, or if it was just something that Figueredo was doing, it all came in there just to, to, to tilt it uh, in Figueredo's way. I mean, that's how close that fight was. And this is one of those rare moments where you get through a trilogy and you're like, did they do a fourth? Are we doing a fourth fight? You know what I mean? And I well, think fans would be okay fight with fight forever, Chuck. Afterwards, yeah. Figueredo said... Look, I'll do it in Mexico. Let's do a fourth fight right away. Yeah, he did sort of. He changed his tune a little bit since then, saying, "Well, maybe not Mexico." You know, I mean, why give away <laughs> such leverage, right? Well, they want to make, uh, yeah, they want to make yeah, the most money. Look, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why UFC has lusted after this Mexican American Mexican American fan base and Mexican fan base. Chuck, they carry boxing. 
sometimes when you think boxing's on life support, it's the the, the loyal Mexican fan base that are buying yes. these pay-per-views no matter what. Uh, I'd put it in Mexico. But the key question I have for you is should the fourth fight be next? They're already the first rivalry to go one, two, three in succession with no other fights thrown in. Is there any reason not to go right back for a fourth? The only reason you might not, well, is because of the guys coming up, right? But you got Askarov's already got a fight coming up. Um, he would have to get through. So it's a little complicated. It's not it's not as dialed in. I think that you go with it because you you lose kind of the the buildup of what's happening. I think you just kind of feed off of that. The division, they tried to shutter it, right? They tried to shutter this division not that long ago. And here we are in a situation where tons of people are paying attention to this division. It's treated like every other division. And you got two guys that are kind of bringing that that faithful together and have rooting interests, national interests, all this stuff. I think you throw it together for fear of losing it down the line. I, I, I don't think you'd want to, uh, you know, lose the potential of how big it could be for them. Yeah, it is a fight you could make at any point, even when they're old guys. But yeah. Figueredo's 34, not getting any younger, just had maybe the biggest win of his career. I mean, it, maybe it was more satisfying to win the title by stoppage. But with all things considered in this one, this is Figueredo's, you know, this is his moment. And if you're a UFC business, you can get Moreno right back on track as a massive yeah. draw. I mean, what do people love more than anything? A, a second chance story to come back and win the they belt, do. which which would be great. Um, this legacy, The legacy of this rivalry, Chuck, is it in Pantheon level now? I don't know about that. It's weird because I, I feel like in the lead up to this fight, it grew, but I feel like it was still more of a diehard's delight. You know, it was like still in that, you know, the fight game center. I I would need to see it kind of expand into the broader conscious. I want to see people talking about it who don't normally follow the game for it to enter that. But if you're talking strictly from the standpoint of fans, you know, fight fans and all that stuff. I'd say that it it's got to be real close to that because I felt like this had then the way it played out. I just feel like the whole thing has been, it's got the storylines, it's got the competitiveness, it's had a little bit of everything. You have the corner, the factions like these guys, like uh, you're mentioning, um, coming in and tweaking things up. I just I think it has all those cool elements that make it that way. You know, I think look if you're Figueredo, you thank Henry Cejudo for his interest. If you're fans, you thank Henry Cejudo for keeping this division alive in the UFC. Because the post-Mighty Mouse Cejudo era is wild. And even if they don't go That's next true. with a fourth fight, i got to see Askar Askarov in there. I've got to yeah, see. I mean, who just who just <laughs> beat, uh, oh, Roy Val just had that great win over yeah. Bontarin. I mean, they're, look, they're, I love this division. It's suddenly great again. So uh, let's keep the show going, Chuck. Man. UFC 270 was not the deepest card. But as typically happens, <laughs> when a pay-per-view card gets shit on for not being deep, those hungry-ass fighters looking for opportunity <laughs> and pay and attention tend to, you know, I mean, UFC wants to keep yeah. underpaying these guys. They keep them hungry down there. <laughs> this was a fun fight card in keep the end. groveling. Yeah. Chuck, when you look up and down, there's a few names that jump out to talk about. Which were you most impressed with coming off of this undercard? Ooh, man, there were some good performances. I mean, the Pereira one, and I, maybe it's just because it was uh, the lead-up. It was kind of the catapult fight right before we got into, um, you know, the co-main and all that stuff. But that struck me because I felt like he was um, he was weathering some adversity. And I think there was questions that everybody knows he's this crazy striker. He does crazy things. He's bombastic. He goes in there. He does, you know, somersaults, all that stuff. I just felt like he weathered enough stuff there, and he still was getting off that way, throwing the flying knees. You know, coming off the fence with the Superman punches, uh, doing the somersault stuff all in that second round as part of the arsenal. I just love watching a fight, man. And I think that that was a nice uh, spotlight moment for him to get that victory. So if I would they, probably say he stands out. 
All right, you're talking about Michel Pededa, who I've been very critical yeah. of at times. Uh, his opponent, Andre Fialo of Portugal, was in his UFC debut and, and was tough as nails and kept coming. Yeah. This showed the full basket of tricks that 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 is the, you know, the Michel Pededa experience, which I, I tweeted is like yeah. the only, I mean, he creates Fast and Furious movies within his fights. I think he showed, though, too much of the good and the bad that he is, Chuck. I didn't, yeah. uh, coming into this fight, even having won three in a row, and this is now his fourth, I'm just not sure if he is or will become a legitimate welterweight title contender, and I'm less sure after because he got handled in round one, surprisingly, and his nose was bloodied. Then he does all the crazy shit in round two that you yeah. love, and then he almost gasses out in round three and and gets a timely kick of the nuts to his opponent to kind of <laughs> take a break. I mean, Chuck. Yeah, but is it? But is it, I, I don't feel like he's one of those those guys who's really chasing a title. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong no. about that. I feel like he just he wants lusts to put on after attention. Yeah. He'll That's say it. it. He so. he's too in love. Again, you could compare him to me on this show, Chuck, and maybe I'm turning off a, a portion of my of our audience by daring. Oh no, they've been long turned off. All right, but this guy <laughs> cannot stop trying to make people happy. And in the end of the day, what's that great saying that the old wrestlers in pro wrestling always tell the new ones coming in? Hey kid, yeah, hey kid, you can either make money or make friends in this business, yeah, but you got to yeah. pick one. You know what I mean? No, okay? he's definitely he's definitely going to suffer from that. I'm telling you right now, he will start. He's going to start losing because he's going to keep trying to please. You know, he's going to it, start losing. He's physically talented enough, Chuck. I mean, he's a freak. He is. He's physically talented enough with that one fight we saw him wrestle. That if he decided to go all in, yeah, he could. He could make a run. Remember, he could make a run. Remember that special. Nos commercial? I wasn't a Nos or whatever that energy drink was, where the dude comes in and he's like doing flips and he's doing all this stuff, and the fans are all going crazy and his opponents just waiting for him. And then the guy goes out and one punches him, and knocks him out. That's always Michelle Pinedo for me. I'm like, he's that guy. He's that guy showing That's off. The until Raiders of the Lost the Ark airplane yeah. scene with yeah. Indy there. Yeah, yes. no, no question about it. Uh, I, I wish him well, but I saw enough to love and enough to hate in the same fight. Uh, <laughs> but but Chuck, you know who was back from a long layoff? Saeed Nurmagomedov, yeah. and it turns out he's not related to any of those other guys with the same surname that we love. He's but not this related was a, to the other Saeeds. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Good point. Sadawad? <laughs> no, not related as well. But, Chuck, he made uh, a monster statement. Cody Stamen is nobody's he easy fight. And oh. he beat the bags off him in 47 seconds, getting a sick guillotine choke. I mean, it's 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 the most general, casual thing you could say is, you know, the Abe Lincoln bearded guys from Dagestan area extended, the Schmesh factory guys always bet on them. Yes. I mean, that's not, the, this seems even way more than that. Like, we've been sleeping <laughs> on this guy, but he, he's good as shit, John. <laughs> I have no objection to anything you just said. I actually <laughs> believe that, I, I think, to me, I was like, I felt like he might, I felt like he'd win this fight, but I thought he might struggle a little bit because, like, Cody uh, is is a sturdy veteran man who has, wrestling chops he has like those types of things i thought we'd see some situations where saeed would have to kind of work out of things to watch him breeze right through like that was i mean this was his moment right i feel like this was his moment um thrust because there's what nine fights canceled off this card he ends up in a situation where he, you know he's kind of getting a spotlight and he handled it so people weren't really talking about him going in but i feel like they will be talking about him going into his next fight that's all you can ask right but he looked freaking great man especially with cody stamen saying in the pre-fight you know sizzle package that like i cannot lose another one you know he's just coming off the loss to who was it riddell that he lost to where you're like yeah. I, like 
So he was coming guns blazing, and the fight ended in 47 seconds. So the embarrassment of riches at, at Bantamweight across both UFC and Bellator is uh, that pool is only getting deeper here, and it's another yeah. uh, Schmesh Factory product. He seems a little bit more chill and cerebral and not as much like I'll just, you know, bite your aorta, but uh, he'll get you out of there. Chuck, also, for a late replacement, Victor Henry staying oh in this Bantamweight division, he went in there against uh, Barcelos and gets a three-round unanimous decision, but people are tweeting as if, like, the next saviors here. Was it was it warranted? How important just and impressive was this win? Um. I think Joe Rogan needs this sort of thing because Joe Rogan was just beside himself. In fact, he was still Instagramming about the guy. I thought the performance was was really good, right? I think everybody expected him to lose. He was something like a five to one underdog going into it. I didn't really know that much about him, you know. So like to see him reveal kind of who he is. It was the volume, right? It was the willingness, the game, you know. Like he was going in his chin seemed right. Um, I think he caught the other cat off guard a little bit. I think he just went in there and he was, you know, way tougher way tougher of an out, and once he got rolling, it's kind of like anything, any underdog in any sport, like you give them belief, and they bring, like they give it their full thing as the fight, as the thing goes on, so I felt like he was getting better as the fight was going on, based on the fact that he was kind of feeding off the, the energy of every, ex expected him to lose, um, it was a very cool performance, and it was, uh, it was fun to kind of learn about the guy, because I'm being honest, man, I didn't really know that much about him going into this fight. Right. Well, I'm sure somebody on a sure dog message board did, but he wasn't yes. just he didn't just out tough. I thought, you know, technically he was very sound for a replacement fighter on this sort of situation. Yeah. He looked ready. Uh, by the way, Hani Barcelos, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, always makes fun fights. Want to always see more of him here in this weight division as well. Uh, finally, Chuck, the name I want to highlight is our done our down under fans. We're going sick for this. Jack Della Madalena. Ooh, uh, yeah. He put it on. Pete Rodriguez needed just. Three, two minutes and 59 seconds to get the TKO, but like, talk about confident, explosive, athletic. He's yeah. charismatic, too. I mean, this guy was like, he seemed like he wanted to become a star on this one night. He did. Another, I mean, we did have a lot of that. <clears throat> you know, like, if you're going to have a card where everybody's like, oh, it's top heavy, we have two good fights, the rest suck, but these guys kind of show up and prove that, like, hey, man, we're, <laughs> we're fighters, too, you know, whatever. I thought that he really stepped What is he, like, 25 years old? He's very young. But I always look at the poise, right? Like, you look at a guy's poise in that. He hit that, he hit that left hand that drops, uh, that drops the guy, and he the way he just kind of surveyed him as he hit the ground and casually moseyed in to finish the job, that always tells me that a guy is envisioning him. First of all, is envisioning this very scenario, envisions himself winning these fights, has the right mindset, but also that he's just not, you know, he treats the spotlight right. Like, the spotlight and him are going to make sense together. There was a lot of revelation there, man. I thought that that kid looked great. So I, now, I mean, like, is another guy that suddenly is on your radar that maybe wasn't before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there were several people on this card, but I thought maybe his performance, Michelle, we already mentioned, like, his performance stood out to me quite a bit. Now, this is 11th win in a row. To be fair, this is Pete Rodriguez who took the fight on, like, a couple mm -hmm. days' notice, meaning Jack flew to the States without an opponent after his first one uh, pulled out. I'm not sure that I forgot the situation. So this guy yeah. looked a little bit, Rodriguez, like a default template creative fighter on UFC 4, Chuck, to be fair, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the hair was a little regrettable, you know. But look, uh, Mr. Madalena, Mr. Jack Madalena. You know, I was going to tweet out that Del the Funky Homo Sapien 90s joke, but it's so obscure that no one would have yeah. gotten it, and I would have looked like a, like a old dad. I would have gotten it. I would have gotten it. Thank you very much right there. Yeah. All right, Chuck, uh, we've been a little more than an hour through the show, and we have so much. Just breezing right going. through here. 
All I right. mean, I'm going to keep you here all day. To close cool. on our main topics of the week, Showtime Championship Boxing was back to kick off the new year Atlantic City at the Borgata in a very interesting main event, which has some weird sort of gone and Ganu parallels from the standpoint that the longest reigning active male champion in boxing, Gary Russell Jr., brought his WBC featherweight strap in there against big punching uh, uh, Filipino and and promoted by Manny Pacquiao. He loves him some Manny Pacquiao. It was Mark Magseo. But Chuck, it turned out Atlantic City was upset city as <laughs> Gary Russell, who yeah. teased in the week leading in that he had an injury that he wasn't going to disclose. Turns mm -hmm. out it was his right shoulder. He would go on to claim it was an old injury. It got activated when he landed a counter jab in the third round. The rest of the fight, he fought with one arm. Yeah. Chuck, he yes. fought really well with one arm. It's but like at the, the end old of saying, the... man, I could beat you with one hand tied behind my back, although he had to try it, right? At the end <laughs> of the day, impressive. a majority decision win from the much more active Mark Magseo. Uh, big win for, for the Philippines, for, for Mac Manny Pacquiao promotions, all that. And it was, you know, Magseo's big for the division. He's aggressive. He's all that. But the story is kind of like Francis Ngannou's knee injury where mm -hmm. it could have gone south. And for Gary Russell, it's like, like he said afterwards, he gave this kid a boxing lesson, but two yeah. of the three judges didn't fully agree going seven rounds to five in Magseo's favor. Do you think Gary Russell Jr. should have gone forward with this fight given the injury suffered in training camp? Well, I think part of it kind of speaks to who he is, right? Like going in there and, and thinking, I mean, the guy fights once every blue moon, right? He's fighting the mandatories. We were talking a little bit before this, but like he he's in a situation where I think he believed he'd beat him anyway. And I don't think yeah. he really thought it would be an issue. I honestly don't think he thought it would be an issue. Now that could be either stupid or that could just be like, I think I've got him either way. I think that we saw him, he still outboxed the kid, right? But at the same time, when you're doing it with one hand, that's a tough situation. But uh, he showed he yeah. showed you like all the intangibles. He's 33, he's too, terribly inactive, but he's quick to be <laughs> able to, to keep a big puncher off of you for nine rounds with yeah. one arm and just land clean counter power shots. I mean, from that standpoint, he's always tough as nails. He took that beating against Lomachenko in his only pro defeat and, yeah. and his came back strong, won the title in his next fight by knockout, but not against Lomachenko, but you get my point. Yeah, yes. It's just sort of like, you know, yeah, he like Ngannou, he would have had an excuse if he lost, and he still does have yeah. somewhat of a built-in excuse. He was because using I said, it. He was using it a little bit. He's using it, but, you know, he wants a rematch. <laughs> he thinks a, a, yeah. a rematch would make sense here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if he's fully healthy... I think he pieces Magseo up. And I think oh, yeah. that this is the type of style that he feasts on. Yes, he's getting a little bit older. I was only happy he did this because he never fights, and he's so good, and you hate that. Yeah, you you to, hate right? when those two things collide. He's 33 so, years I, old, too. He better get busy. You're in the, <laughs> he's in the spot. I wonder, Chuck, if this loss doesn't turn out to be a great thing for him, because maybe they run this back in a few months, or whenever he's fully healthy. He, he said he may or may not need surgery. Maybe you go six, eight, nine months, and then maybe other people go, He's vulnerable. We can get him. Yeah. Maybe he gets yeah. the fights he's looking for now. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I do think that we'll see him fighting more often. You know what it's like? It's like either if you don't have the if you have the belt, you can kind of get by with uh, being selective. You can wait. You can do these things when you don't have the belt. You got to stay busy. And remember, the last time he lost, we we're you're just mentioning a slow chicken in 2014 was the only time he fought twice in a calendar year. So Sounds I think we'll yeah. see some. Yeah. So let's hope that if nothing else, we'll see him in there more. Yeah, absolutely. But he did show you a lot despite the loss. I thought the judges got it right. Maxeo was busier. He did enough. I mean, look, he had a great fight. I think he could have done even better. Uh, he's a mu much younger That's fighter, true. not the same fighting IQ, but he's got 
Freddie Roach and Marvin Simodio in his corner. He's got Manny Pacquiao backing him. So, hey, if they do a rematch, I'm here for that. Absolutely. Chuck, normally we transition out of our five topics and go to DMs from Donks. I want to punt that. I'm not going to do that? I want to punt that to Wednesday. We'll have a heavy segment uh, with, with Luke out this week on, on fan questions. So, you know, BC, I got, I got to F around. So, last minute, thanks to our production crew for scrambling for me because I made them on a Sunday night. I've created a new segment, Chuck. Okay. 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 Why am this I always is, part of the new segments? Come on now. A new segment. I'm a, a guinea put, pig for you guys. To put Chuck <laughs> in the hot seat here. Right. Um, I like to call it truth or trick. Oh man, okay. All right. <laughs> no no dramatic music? What's this? No, not yet. All We're right, gonna add right. to that. Chuck, here's the premise. I have five MMA trivia questions for you, a master of this game, a respected longtime <laughs> uh, don't journalist. Because I'm gonna follow my face here. And historian. You will have 30 seconds per question. Each question will escalate in difficulty, but the hook to make to make old BC happy here. Is any question you get wrong, you must answer truthfully a personal type question <laughs> that I'm sure you came oh, on man. today hoping you didn't have to talk about, all right? I'll do my best. All right. I appreciate your willingness here. No, there's no <laughs> wheel. You don't have to drink out of anybody's shoe, but here we go. <laughs> Some silver lining. Uh, uh, hold on, let me. I'm, I'm almost there. Let me call up my notes. All right, All right here we go. Number one. I can't Chuck, even cheat. I'm using my phone to film myself. I no, can't even cheat. You can't here. even cheat. All right. Of the 14 different men to wear the undisputed UFC light heavyweight championship, 13 of 14 were born in the United States or Brazil. Who is the lone 205 champ from outside of those two nations? 30 seconds starting now. At 205? Yes. I would say. Uh... Jan Blovich. All right, Chuck, you got it. All right, you know hey. you, you always start out one of those halftime segments where you got to shoot. They start out with a layup, right, and then you go to the free throw, <laughs> then you go to the three pointer. It's harder from here. All right. Then All you're right. trying to hit a half court shot to win your tuition. All right, here we go. Number two. Oh, that personal question would have been great. Damn. All right, number two. Uh, Chuck Conor McGregor has reached the end of the third round in three different pro fights, all of which came inside the octagon. Name the opponents. Your thirty seconds starts now. So he hit the end of the third round in three fights. Okay. Um, Diaz one, Diaz two. Or is that, is that just one opponent? Uh, they're se separate fights. I need three separate fights from you. Okay, so those two fights. Of... Those two fights and I'm trying to remember they're amalgamatable. I'll say, I don't think of that one. Uh, Holloway. Okay, Diaz 1, Diaz 2, and Holloway. Chuck, that is incorrect. The okay. Diaz 1 was a second-round submission. Mm. Rightfully got the only decision win in Connor's career when he beat Max. I'm sorry, the first one when he beat Max yeah. Holloway. The other answer was the second decision win. Went five rounds with Nate Diaz. The third answer was Habib Nurmagomedov. Ah, he was finished in the fourth round. Chuck, Oh, all right, here we go, Chuck. It's time to get personal on Truth Let's or Trivia. It. Let's try it. Chuck, what was the most difficult personal moment of your first 25 years on this earth? And what did you pull upon for strength to get through it in order to become the man in the hat that we know and Good love God. today? Good God, what a question, man. Uh, man, that is tough. Um, Well... 
I would say in the first 25 years, like, especially with writing side, like that's what I really wanted to focus on. I think I knew that fairly early on and I was batted back quite a bit through those years. I would say my biggest adversity has been finding editors and stuff like that who want to help and to build you and all that. So Chuck, the, the, in the question, your most difficult personal moment. Personal? Yeah. Okay. All right. My most difficult personal one. I don't know, man. I don't. Would you have an answer to this one? I'm trying well, to. You think. had those those meth years in Kansas, right? <laughs> oh wait, was I, I not supposed any. to say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, man, now I'm like uh, it's just being revealed how square I've been. I yeah, guess. that but, illegitimate uh, child in uh, in Dayton. No, no. God, no. I don't. I mean, I was with I was with a girl for uh, nine years who I didn't end up with. Uh, Oh, hey. In the end. So I would say that was a personal um that, That'll error. hurt bad at the end of it, Chuck. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, what did you draw on for strength? This is what people want to know, how you got here, you know? Self-belief, Brian. Self-belief. All right. All right. We're getting close. We're getting personal. <laughs> is this like an odd way for me to create a therapy couch for my guests? All right. Trivia question. <laughs> See, I was expecting like, uh, like so, uh, these are like real philosophical and hard-hitting. Well, All right. Now, now I know what to expect. I got As you. always, Chuck, it's a mixed bag when you play a okay. PC, okay? Right. They're both sometimes sweet, sometimes sour. Here we you go, number right, three. You are right, though. The seat is hot. Jesus. Chuck, Max Holloway earned consensus fighter of the year honors in 2017 and likely cemented his hall of fame resume with a pair of third round TKO title wins over former featherweight legend, Jose Aldo. The two events were UFC 212 and UFC 218. Which cities did those two pay-per-view cards take place in? Oh, okay. So second one was definitely in Rio. Uh, the first one, Chuck, I will help you with this. The first one, was in Rio, UFC really? 212. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. 218 was, uh, I want to say Detroit. What is your final answer? That'd be a Detroit. Oh, Chuck, that's a big pull right there. Well done. UFC 218 <laughs> in Detroit. That. Wow, Chuck's like, I will never offer up anything personal again or appear on this show. Thank you very much. Well, I just I disappoint when I give you my personal information. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. Trivia question number four on Truth or Trivia. Here we go. Uh, hold on. I lost my notes. I'm resetting. I'm like, <laughs> I got computer issues. Drum roll. Here we go. Number four. You want a young J-check, Chuck? Mm-hmm. She owns a UFC record five defenses of her women's straw, former women's strawweight title. Name all five opponents oh my God. that Joanna defended her UFC strawweight title against. Oh, my God. Your 30 seconds begin now. <laughs> well, this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, Claudia Gadelia. Yes. Uh, let's see. God, I'm totally blanking on this right now. Um, Jessica Penne. Yes, two of five. Fifteen seconds to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm blowing up. I have a blank here. Uh, Chuck, very good attempt right there, but it was Jessica Penne, yeah. Valerie Letourneau in Australia on the Ronda Rousey. That would have been, that been a pull. That's right. Uh, Klaja in the rematch, Karolina mm. Kovalkiewicz. Ah, that's the one I was a, okay. And Jessica Andrade in that's Dallas. Right. All okay. right, Chuck. All right. Let's get personal. Here we go. All right. Given what you learned from our good friend Luke Thomas's failed attempt at keeping the MMA hour on the tracks, 
for Vox Media in 2018 <laughs> after the exit of Ariel Hawani. What do you believe was Luke Thomas's biggest mistakes in trying to follow Ariel? And how would you have done it differently in hindsight had MMA fighting offered you the keys to the car with the same existing setup Luke had just four years ago? This is incendiary, isn't it? Uh, I wouldn't have done it. That's the thing. That's, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Um, that was just that type of situation, man, you can't win. You know what I mean? You can't win that situation. I don't know. I know that there was a certain amount of defiance in the air about like, well, we just, we got to keep rolling. Um, that's from the MMA fighting side of things. Luke, I think was cast in the position. It was unfortunate, man, but he did it. He's got to do it. Like that was a, that was a big moment for him. It just sucked because it was the same name. I don't know. I dude, I wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have done it. I would have just flat out said no. So what do you think went wrong for Luke in the end? He's always, he's been honest about it, so I'm not here to just, shit on him. But well, I, I think it was just destined to not work. So I don't know if it's something that he did wrong. Um, All right, if they he, offered if you I, the kind recall, of money. If I recall, though, he's, he did try to um, sort of reinvent some of the show, right? Like he tried yeah. to kind of give it some, spruce it up with some updates and do some different things. But, man, it's just when you have something that's already established like that and you're trying to, you know, kind of resume it or take over or whatever the situation is, it was just doomed to fail, you know, in my mind. What if they had offered you stupid money and they're like, I don't care. This is the way we're doing it. Ah, I mean, God. what could you do in that case? What could you do? Show your, show I, your, I would have tried. If, if they came up with the right price, you know how I am. I'm a mercenary, right? Like, but I mean, if they come up with the right price, I would have given it the old frosh effort. I would have tried it. But uh, I honestly, if Luke can't salvage something, Luke is a very good uh, at what oh, he does. And if he so can't salvage it, you. good Lord, if he can't do it, man, I, I can guarantee you that I would have failed at it. That's his forte. And then I that will is accept not my this forte. Answer, Chuck, you didn't dodge it. Right. You went after right. it. Well, you dodged a little, but you went after it. All right, Chuck, one more. I don't know <laughs> if this segment this ends wrong, our friendship. Man. We'll All see right. what happens. Here's the final trivia question in the okay. debut of truth or trivia. All right. Chuck, the inaugural, inaugural, the first ever Bellator MMA card titled Bellator one took place on April 3rd, 2009 in Hollywood, Florida. The card, though, featured a future UFC champion on it, a future Ultimate Fighter champion on it, and two fighters who went on to challenge unsuccessfully for a UFC title, including one of them in his UFC debut. Chuck, name three of the four fighters on the Bellator One card. It says all four there, but I want to give you a shot here. Name three okay. of the four fighters <laughs> on the Bellator One card. Three of the four w went okay. on to fight for a UFC title, one of them winning it, and the fourth and went on to win an Ultimate Fighter. Eddie Alvarez was Correct. on that card. Michael Chandler? Uh, <laughs> well, Chuck, you had a good run. Uh, we were looking for uh, <laughs> we were looking for Eddie Alvarez, Jorge Masvidal. Oh God, that's right. Uh, Joel and Joe Soto, Joe Soto, who of course oh, I never got as a late replacement fought for a UFC title in his debut against TJ Dillashaw. And never got it. don't forget about tough season twelve champion Jonathan Brookins. How could you oh, forget? Oh my God, dude. You want me to get Soto or Brookins? Come on. Hey, I wait. Mean, they, real, they did escalate quick, in difficulty and, and personality, you know, personalized. All right, Chuck. Joe, we Joe, wait, 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 real quick. Joe Soto. That's funny that you mentioned him. Joe Soto is the one reason I've got. Uh, you we were talking earlier that Dana White wasn't in the press conference. That could mean a lot of things. 
but because one time he missed a press conference in here, right here in the state of Connecticut, when they when they had a card at Foxwoods, and he missed it because he took me backstage and dressed me down for something I'd wrote about Joe Soto. And I remember Whoa. writing because Joe Soto was fighting a uh, Joe Soto was fighting uh, for the title, like you mentioned. And I I'd written something that they took, which is funny in retrospect. It's a funny story now at, at cocktail parties. But they uh, I said that Joe Soto could. I said that uh, who was it? T.J. Dillashaw was that who he was yeah. fighting? T.J. Dillashaw could go in there and shoot red beams from his eyes and disintegrate. Uh, and everybody would just say, "Yeah, but it was Joe Soto. It was Joe Soto." I'd written this in a column, and dude, that him and uh, Dana White and Joe Silva missed the press conference to pull me in the back and dress me down for about twenty minutes. That was okay, the highlight so of my MMA life, right there. I can't There's tell personal. If, if you had fear of what personal question was coming in number five because they escalate, and that's why you decided to open this personal <laughs> chapter. But this 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 uh, segment was designed to get the fans to know you better, Chuck. This is a great ass story. What was their tone like? Was it like principal? It's mostly. It's mostly that Dana White was, uh, you know. Dana White was kind of actually Dana was kind of the re, the voice of reason. He was like, "Why, why, you know, come on, you know, blah blah. You guys don't even know what the hell you're talking about. You guys don't know what you're talking about." And that sort of thing. The guy who was really doing fuming was Joe Silva, so marching around the room, uh, coming at me pretty hard, just basically reading back to me what I wrote, you know, that sort of thing. Just uh, it was it was it's hilarious in retrospect because everybody has a has a story about. An encounter, especially from the old days, like with with when Dana really really cared about like his product and everything, like it was it was pretty funny. But Joe, but it was really Joe Silva, man. He was the one who was fuming. I think Dana was kind of the good cop in that situation. Love it! Wow, great story. Yeah, I, they didn't pull your credential though. That's good to see. No, they did not. <laughs> All right, Chuck, we get personal the final time. All right. What was the biggest regret, misstep? or miscalculation you have endured during your professional career that either still eats at your crow today in regrettable ways, or maybe taught you a valuable lesson on maneuvering the shark infested waters known as the MMA journalist oh and God. broadcasting space. I mean, really Chuck, what are the biggest lessons you've learned in managing this career? You've been a part of major companies like ESPN before you've also succeeded sure. on your own. What can you teach the audience here about what, you know, you've endured and learned along the way biggest misstep was agreeing to do this truth or trivia brian no i'm kidding <laughs> they uh <laughs> you know what I, I i thought about this because i think it was a misstep for me when i went to mma fighting from espn uh and spent six years there i think that was ultimately a misstep there was just we were never aligned i don't think uh me and the editor there on uh what my role should have been you know because i i fancy myself at espn i was a basically a columnist, a blogger. I was writing all the time. I was filling the page. And uh, as uh, going over to MMA fighting, I was doing that, but they they have a way of kind of making it more that you're just writing MMA hour recaps or you're doing, hey, can somebody grab this little, this tweet that Connor just put? And they start doing that sort of thing. And so it was a, a discounting. Front. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was just kind of like you're discounting yourself. I wanted to, I should have gotten out of there a lot earlier, to be honest. Um, so that, I would say that knowing that that was uh, not going where I wanted to, I should have, that that should have been like a three-year timeline, not six. So I feel like I wasted some of my prime years in that place. Because that's a very fair and honest take. Chuck, Chuck this, yes. this, I think this worked. I mean, what an episode we're giving the yeah. people today, right? Yes. You're like, you're Thank like, you for crying. Thanks for bringing the crowbar. You're like, Brian. there's a reason I leave all this stuff <laughs> under my cap for no one to see about me. Uh, Chuck, let's uh, let's also do a segment that we love doing. You've done this before from the studio many okay. times. 
Yes. Uh, I scour the globe personally each weekend. And, and by the way, the fans are so good at helping me uh, get the fuel for these segments. I want to shout out um, the uh, the drunken swan. That guy on Instagram is just a, a river <laughs> of this stuff. Uh, you should, Chuck, I always say you should drunken see the ones swan. that I don't put in the show, okay. all right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I search the highs and lows, the good and bad, the ugly, the in-between of combat sports and beyond from the past week. It's called, Have You Seen This Shit? <laughs> Oh, oh God! Here we oh. go. My favorite segment. All right, Chuck. Let's get let's get <laughs> buckle up. Here we go, Chuck. Um, hey, hey, Gaff, Gaff, are you there? I forgot. We're skipping this first one, right? You're good with that. We're, we'll do it. We'll show it later. Gaff, all good with that. All right, so we'll skip that. Here we go, Chuck. It starts UFC 270 in Anaheim. We broke down the card, but let's face it, brother. For better or worse. Vanessa Demopoulos was the big winner this weekend. <laughs> Chuck, this was at oh, the weigh-in. That's a very uh, yeah. flexible pose right there. That's uh -huh. interesting. Uh, does the split. Chuck, your reaction to her celebration after <laughs> submitting Silvana gomez Juarez? Just kind of jumping in on Joe Rogan and all that stuff. I mean, it's just... Uh... So first she went out there. She gets dropped by a massive right hand. Yes. I, I re I'm reading this stuff out of order here. Um... Gets the sub, but look at this celebration, Chuck. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, let's put it this way, man. And there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just painful. And then the like the the, the arms strike to heaven. I love it, um, dude. I I was I'm sort of again. It's just somebody that I hadn't really paid attention to. Knowing her backstory, man, that, the, the, in the fight game, we have so many unique things going on. Uh, that is not a backstory that I feel like I've heard before. So, oh, we'll uh, get to her. that backstory, Chuck. Okay, we're just talking. Right, we're right. we're going to live this. Just, we're going to live this back in real time, okay? That's, in real uh, time. That's First of all, it, I couldn't do it. It was a great win because she got dropped early by a big puncher, yet never gave up, hung on, found a way out with that submission. Uh, it was great. The split was wild, but then we get to Joe Rogan. By the way, this is like the weirdest night for people being like in awe of Joe Rogan's celebrity, which I understand, yeah. but nobody else did this. First the love, the hog, the pickup, <laughs> and then we get to the end of it. She would say after the fight that she planned this uh, this hug pickup coming up here, Gaff. Can we go there? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, do we Do we not have it? Do we skip it? All right, let's go to the video at least. Here's uh let's All just right. let's just All play right. the audio. Here we go. Gymnastic background well. or is it just karate or, or how how do you do that so amazingly? Yeah, that's my stripper guard right there. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't think it's a secret I was an exotic entertainer for 13 years. And um, I didn't actually say this on the mic, but I'd like to say it right now. I walked away from being a stripper to continue this camp. Um, I quit dancing about like six to eight weeks ago just so I could focus full time on MMA, take this extremely seriously in the gym every single day. So um, yeah, but that's that's where that background comes from and that's where those splits come from. And a lot of my jujitsu actually comes from my expertise as a pole dancer. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Chuck. Um, uh, oh, my God. First of all, she's a two-sport star. We didn't realize that. But, Chuck, you know, we've seen wrestling, jiu was asking the... that question was already over at the, uh, the turnstile getting like 101s, you know what I mean? Yeah. Already... We... <laughs> we've seen our wrestling, karate, boxing be great uh, forbearers to get good at this sport. Here's the picture of her get it, picking up by Joe. Um, I don't know. Maybe this starts a trend for for a uh, a transition from stripping to to this. Look, thir- I mean, Chuck, thirteen years, dude. Thirteen years, and as of Thanksgiving, which wasn't that long ago, she was still stripping. Come on, going in the holidays, she's still stripping. That's crazy, man. Put it behind her to take the sport serious. Got a big win. Look, look, I've seen this energy before. A lot of people tweeting at me that that's a factory town MMA fighter if I've ever seen one. I've I've been around this energy before, Chuck, but. Yeah. Uh, this crazy is fun. This kind of crazy is pretty fun. So been around that energy, yeah. There's you got to, you got to admit aren't this. There are a lot of strip joints in Connecticut. Maybe you know of them, but not near me. Oh, there, yeah. I mean, I would never go near. Hit me afterwards. Hit me afterwards. Hole anymore. Mine or anyone else's. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Chuck, I will say this: she, she, she tried to win the weekend. She damn near did. Right. That's a yeah. strong overall performance. Correct. That was a very strong performance, and especially getting dropped. I mean, if you're just talking about a competitive, getting dropped and then turning that into a victory 30 seconds later, that was pretty impressive. That was big. Big big yeah. win for for old uh, Demopolis there. All right, let's keep going on 270. All right. Real recognizing real. You know I love these power broker moments. Francis Ngannou takes the decision from Cyril Ghan, and look at Justin Gaethje, like, yeah, yeah, motherfucker, right? <laughs> Where is he? Watch that, that fist pump. We'll run it back. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's like who who let that fan close to the fighters? Chuck, I I mean you may have heard the story when we won the award at yeah. uh World MMA Awards, Gaethje grabbed my arm as I was walking past. He was like, Yeah, dude, yeah. It was basically Did the same really? thing. Yeah, he was like, Congratulations, you guys are awesome. Yeah. That dude's a berserker, man. That's yeah, just how he is. he is. I was a I was in a uh, a room once in Orlando and he came in with Ali Abdelaziz. I was talking to um I was talking to uh, Joe Silva, actually. Again, I was talking to Joe Silva. I forget about what, but we were sitting up in his room, and those guys came in, and it's like 1 a.m., you know, and I don't know what they'd have been out doing, but he came in with that exact same energy. It's hilarious that he, I think that's just who he is, man. He comes in yeah. there, and he's always just like he's fucking drinking a pot of coffee, you know what I mean? That's the spirit he brings to the yeah. sport. I bring that same thing to the show, Chuck, okay? Yes, you, you mentioned... actually do. That is true. <laughs> wow. wow, okay. Uh, boy, <laughs> I hope I don't end up with CTE. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Pedeta, Chuck, uh, delivered everything. And I think this is the first time I've seen Harold Howard try this before. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen somebody land it this good. Michelle Pedeta, what do you call this? What do you call this kick? It's not a, uh, what do they call those? Uh, it's not an Imanari roll or whatever, right? That's not that. Like I'd car- call it a firecracker kick? kick. What is it? Firecracker kick? kick? I don't speak like the terms that the, I don't either. That the, you know, yeah. I don't either. But I mean, I was thinking that exact same thing. He's, he lands it. He lands it on the top of his head, but he does land it. Cause I've, we've seen guys try this kind of stuff before. And it usually just looks funny, you know, cause the guy just does a somersault in front of the other guy while he backs up. That actually hits him on the top of the head. So it was, it was effective. All part of that very unique second round he had. 
Uh, Chuck, referee Mike Beltron had a tough night on social media for letting fighters be warriors in the cage. But what do you think about this body lock he put on Trevin Giles <laughs> after Michael Morales gets a stoppage win? I noticed this in real time. I was like, what the hell is he doing, man? I mean, he's used to detaining people. I think he's a detective in his Well, if you if life. you have facial hair like that and you flaunt it, <laughs> you can handle yourself. There's like, there's rules, right? Oh, Nature has rules. I mean, come I on. I mean, it's a little invasive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, and right, look, we don't even see the conclusion. We just see like, we just see the beginning of that. Yeah, it's like it's like Showtime softcore. Um, yeah. Polish MMA always gives us special stuff. This is a true Kaposa special. Did you see All this right. brutal ground and pound KO to the body, brother? Okay, let me see here. I don't know the fighters, Whoa. but look at that agony. Oh, oh God. Dude, no, I didn't see this. Wow, man. That is. Oh, I just, it's right to the. That's filthy. That is. Right to wow. the thorax. Yeah. Put a that. hole in them. Mouth guard wow. comes off. That's insane footage right there, man. Uh, Chuck, unified, Jesus. unified 122-pound boxing champion, Stephen Fulton Jr., you may have seen him on Showtime, he got to ring the bell at the 76ers game. He was also in the crowd Saturday in the uh, Gary Russell fight and said to Jim Gray, he's looking to either unify belts again next or do a rematch with Brandon Figueroa. Good to see somebody from my team boxing get the shine here mm -hmm. at the 76ers game. Did you see that Fulton-Figueroa fight from just a couple months back on Showtime, Chuck? I am sad to say that I have not. But see, here's the problem. Now, now that I'm dealing with you guys at Showtime again, I want to watch all the fights again, but I have not been doing it. I've been so stuck in the MMA world, you know? It's, 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 very, it's very hard to do both at a high level, Chuck, okay? That's why... There's only one of us who can do that, Brian, and I think yeah. we know who that is. There's a few unicorns out there like Andreas Hale and your boy BC, and yeah. <laughs> uh, Chuck, Saturday Showtime Boxing co-main event was all action all the time as Subriel Matias... Gain revenge over his only pro loss, stopping Petros Ananian. Chuck, here's just a little sample of the savagery. Can we go full screen here, Gaff? This fight was a wow, a war. Give me that blown up shit here. Yeah. Damn. Mateus was the winner there in the gray trunk. But uh, they, they're just two guys. They sold out the whole fight. They just sold out. You'd love to see it, okay? I do love to see that. Thank oh, you. they're just both right, right in each other's wheelhouse there, too. Yeah, all night long, as Lionel Richie used to say. Woo, okay. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> let's face it. That's enough fighting for it. Have You Seen This Shit. People just want to see injuries and, and drunk right. chicks, okay, in this segment. So that's what we give them. Let's go to the poll. Speaking of, uh, of what we were, <laughs> you got to be careful on the poll, Chuck. Oh, my okay? God. Now, who do we got here? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> who did we have here, Chuck? That's a KO. Oh, that my is, Lord. Uh, you know who yeah. has a poll like that in their house? Uh, 50 Cent? Probably. Yeah. But the guy I was going to mention was Chuck Liddell. I, I did a piece on him once, and in the second floor, he had a stripper pole right in the middle of his floor. I was like, man, he must have had some wild parties back in the day. Yes, yes. All right, let's keep it going. We'll skip over the one that doesn't work. Uh, you got to be careful. Uh, there we go. Full, yeah, 7C. Let's go. There you go. Bingo. Uh, you got to be careful. You know, you got to plan your dives oh correctly. God. Some people want to go all in on life, Chuck, but you got to... You know, you got to check the oh, pool below oh you. No. Oh, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah. That's not. See, I that's wouldn't not survive that. I wouldn't no. survive that. <laughs> you you want to see a real alpha? Look at the water splash off of the sand. That's hilarious. Yeah. How do you walk that walk of shame off? Uh, speaking of a real man, check out Ronaldinho, Brazilian soccer legend. I probably just butchered. You think I care? Should is it Ronaldinho? No, I mean, come on. Ronaldinho meeting some of his female fans, Chuck. Okay, uh, all right. How do we get this famous, yeah. Chuck? Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I've had this happen a couple of times, but usually they're signing me. It's not. Yeah, yeah. He should forget his name. He's just right. <laughs> yep, that's a D. That's a definitely a D. All right, oh let me just God. you know sign that. Again. I love it. Hey, he's game. You know what I mean? Oh, he's game. I can see. BC, I bet you would do the same thing in his position. Oh, I'm a I'm a family man in all. I know that, you but, are. Uh, but you know he's you sh would you, would you pay four ninety nine a month just to read his DM? You can't screenshot it. <laughs> just read him. All right. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go. Uh, check out this guy. Speaking of hunger. Wow, Chuck. Wow. This is man okay. shit right here. You know, man you take shit, the girl of the take the girl of the game, buy the slice of pizza. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Where is this from? What the hell is he doing? Come on. Yeah, I mean that's you know not for <laughs> everybody, nice. Chuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what, man? If they put you on the jumbotron, make the most of it. You know what you I mean? Got it. You got it. Automatically. Yeah. When I when I used to get on the jumbotron like at minor league hockey in my like, you know, drunken early twenties days, Dude, instantly you gotta like DX chop or do the gross sign or something gross, right? You gotta You got yeah. it. What's a what's a you keep posting this thing where you're like playing a flute, but it's like a drumstick or something. What the hell's going on? That yeah, that was at a, that was on a cruise in 2002, okay. and right. I was very drunk with the. I, uh, I laugh every time I see it. I'm yeah, so it was lie. a flute that I bought in the gift shop, and I just would play it in public to annoy the relatives that were with me to embarrass them. <laughs> and like large groups of like the you know families be walking by, they'd stop and they turn around, and I'm just I'm going after it, Chuck. Right? You know. So he's always been this way. I think is what the. The story here is yes, yes. Well, Chuck, uh, you mentioned you're from Colorado. I did. So you could probably appreciate this. I don't know what they call this—the water jug bong. But uh, okay. could you survive this move here? Cypress oh Hill always God. giving us the good stuff here. <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> Why? Look at these. That's commitment, Chuck. That's commitment. Oh my God! No, I would not survive this. You think you'd pass out instantly? I would. I'm a lightweight man. Okay. Okay. Comes this. This is hilarious, though. Wagenheim walks away, right? Oh, Wagenheim. He's fucking. <laughs> if Luke that Thomas would be, here, that would was... be enough for him. If Luke Thomas was here, he'd probably say, "Oh God, yes, I need this on my house. Give this to me right now." <laughs> <laughs> we got some uh, real aficionados yes. dealing with this show. Yeah. Let's go back to regional MMA, Chuck, because anything can happen, including incredible face-first KOs. Look at this shit. Oh, there's on the oh, yep. face okay. plant. He's like, you don't Damn. need a shovel. I'll start digging for you, right? Oh, man. All right. Chuck, there's usually He's a lot out. of love on this show for uh, big booty Latinas because that's that's Luke's taste. But does yes, this crazy is. lady turn you on or turn you okay. off, Chuck? All I want right, to really, I want the public to know what you prefer here, Chuck. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> that's like CGI. Yeah, that's Rocco Sofredi like that. Oh, just, man. Oh no. Yeah, no. that's not your thing. Okay. All right. No. Uh-uh. Uh, street Fight of the Week. Oddly enough, it took place right outside of an Arby's. Yes, sir, it is an Arby's. Check out this road fight, road rage pulling over, <laughs> and we're going after it. Yes. Feels civil. It can't be Florida, can it? Oh, wow. Dude. Woo. One dude, punch a, power. Power is the last thing to go, Chuck. All right. If you fight, dude, throwing up your dukes. If you have no idea what the hell you're doing like that, it's just what are you doing? Like, well, I mean, them. like these all squaring off. I'll work the jab, work the jab, and then, and then the first opening. Boom. There. <laughs> Chuck, he is wearing a hat very similar to you. Yeah, Same well, energy. Well, the hat, the hat does uh, translate to power. I found that out. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> potency and power. Uh, this isn't Social Justice Wednesday, but here's a boxing 
Twitter beef in four tweets. This was interesting. Gervonta Davis begins yeah. with beautiful pictures of his new child, and oh, he's being a dad. Sweet. He's having fun. There, look at this. I got, by the way, I love Gervonta's uh, tat, tat setup. It's aggressive, but yes. I don't speak to technique like Luke does. But, well, you know, yeah. a lot of us it's were touched sad. by it. Even welterweight Ivan Redkoch was. Yeah. Eh, congratulations on the newborn, right? That's nice. Gervonta's response? There we go. There we go. There we go a little faster. Oh wow, that's 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 pretty extreme there, Tank. Uh, and then here's uh, Ivan Redkoch's comeback. I mean, there's only one way to settle this, right, Chuck? <laughs> oh my God, Javante Davis. That escalated quite quickly. Yes, it okay. did. Okay, uh, that's funny, man. They almost fought a few times. That's, you know, Dude. I mean. This, it's an you guys, place. this segment's perfectly timed because uh, social media at this point offers so much. You're like, you know what I mean? When we first started, it was kind of harder to find this footage. I feel like now you have to sift through millions of submissions, don't you? Absolutely, and they're usually gross and ridiculous. Yeah, and, yeah, just can't do it. All right, hey Chuck, you want to talk about poise under pressure? It was Francis Ngannou taking the fight to the mat on Saturday night. It was also this guy teeing off despite the carnage in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Or oh yay, burnt out. Yes. <laughs> that is funny as hell, man. I mean, um, play you got to play through, right? I'm guessing this is in Colorado. Um, yes. Right? It looks Dude, like it. It's crazy, man. It's right. In, the neighborhood I'm from is actually, uh, this is the neighborhood, bro. Like between Boulder and Broomfield, Colorado, it's like in that area. So the subdivision that was leveled, I know exactly which subdivision that is. Oh, wow. But that's funny, man. I mean, we don't, we don't cheer for this stuff, but. No, happens. we don't cheer it. Uh, finally, Chuck, uh, I'm so happy that you and I haven't had to like, you know, go back to the Jersey City st MK studio by taking public transportation. Oh, wait, don't you always take public transportation? I do. Film with I us? do. Yeah. All right. Well, you see stuff like this, Chuck, our video of the week. <laughs> oh my God. This one had it all. Look at these two guys just going at it in the public square. Oh my God. Man's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was don't give a fuck. Oh, boy. Man's best friend also going at it, Chuck. This is... Um, Oh, the boy, indignities that's... are piling up on that guy, man. Oh, yeah, my Lord. I, at first, I was like, wow, what a protector this, <laughs> this dog is. Look at the dude right? jumping in there to get, get a close-up. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Look, oh. Grandma, that, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. That's the shit of the week. Chuck, we that's close so most Mondays that's with nice. a little odds and ends action, what we missed over the weekend, news, all that. Let me go first because okay. – um, I got to hand it to our fine social staff here at Morning Combat, Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports. This clip they put out of what went down uh, Friday during and after our Morning Combat episode involving one Luke Thomas. And so it started when we shouted out our boy Big E of the New Day of WWE mm -hmm. fame who shared his public love for us. Let's throw to this well-edited clip right here. Big E's a badass. He's been nothing but kind to you and to me. So you know what? I guess he's my favorite professional wrestler, right? Because I do like The Rock, but he doesn't really do it anymore. Three hours later. <laughs> Project Rock is proud to be the official footwear of the UFC.
If you smell what the rock I mean <laughs> I mean Chuck what could you ask for that kind of timing where Luke is like oh you know probably say the rock's my favorite wrestler and that happens the same day Chuck be the judge be That's the arbiter did Luke Thomas get sent to hell by the rock sure looked like he did man <laughs> I like that you're right there to provide the elevator you hit the down <laughs> button for him he went right down with it I, I did it, get a, a text from Luke this morning that says, uh, anyway, have a great show. The Rock is a exploitative hoe with dad sneakers. I forgot to brush my teeth. I'll talk to y'all later. That is that is great stuff there. You guys have a very um, unique relationship, Brian. I like it. So, um, uh, Chuck, here's the deal. Like, Luke was actually right. You know, you could, you could certainly make an argument that. So the deal is that The Rock Shoe Company, which we didn't know he had, just signed with the UFC to become the official footwear provider for the UFC. So that so they put out this what is like an awesome promo of like The Rock using yeah. uh, great UFC fight montages to talk about being a soldier and being you know I mean I was I was kind of fired up coming off of that it was pretty badass yeah but no mention of the sneaker and it's a sneaker commercial so while Luke <laughs> isn't wrong meaning that we're only harping on this because the rocks like the most famous person in the world. Yeah. And he happened to just drop that bomb on Luke. But you know what makes this situation so perfect? You know why this was the perfect sure. edit, the perfect day for me to play this today and just laugh at it. Okay. Luke doesn't get why we care. Luke doesn't get why this is a thing. He's just like, oh, I don't care what, what I don't get. It. I mean, look, I, I wasn't wrong. He didn't send me to hell. I mean, I just, I, you know, it's cool. I'm, you know, I'm like, he just doesn't get it, Chuck. I love that. <laughs> so you're from your elevated perch, it's even funnier. I like that, man. I think it's great. I mean, I don't mean to just keep pointing at my friend and be like, hey, everybody laugh at him. But it's like, no, yo, the rock just the Rock just dunked on you, like, after you put him over. Like, this is great. And Luke's just like, I don't even understand why anybody cares. Like, this is, you know, like, he didn't even, you know, actually, he was wrong. So, yeah, shout out to Luke. Enjoy your vacation. I love it, man. We, uh, we love you, uh, absolutely. So, uh, Chuck, by the way, those do look like Walmart sneakers. I mean, are you kidding me? They do. Or, or uh, British Knights. Remember those? Remember British I mean, is this just is this just, like, clout fucking at its worst? Like, oh, we, we don't have an official footwear yeah. provider. Yeah, okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> 100% is. And what percentage of this deal do you think the fighters get, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> Go back and watch the opening segments of our show. Come on. Yes, yes. Odds and ends indeed. Chuck, what do you have yeah. this week? Well, mine pales completely in comparison to yours, man. Mine is nothing like that. I just wanted to give a shout out to my boy who's my neighbor here. He lives uh, very close to where I'm at here in Connecticut. Glover Teixeira, who now has his first title defense set up for the light heavyweight belt. May 7th, I'm thinking it's going to be real. That seems to be what he believes it's going to be uh, against Yuri Prohashka. Again, he will be the installed as the underdog in a fight. I think that'll be three or four in a row that he'll be the underdog. And, man, I got to say, I don't know how it feels for you, BC, like out where you are in Connecticut, but in my section in western Connecticut, this is Glover country, man. I feel like oh, they wow. celebrate everything that goes on with this guy. They had a parade for him when he came home uh, from his last fight when he won the title. Um, every restaurant here like has a red carpet syndrome for him. Like it's just it's hilarious okay, to that's, watch. That's this awesome. Guy in to town. Yeah. Shout out to Connecticut right there. Cause I was gonna yeah, say, Chuck, you, I'm looking, I'm typing in your uh your uh your town to just see how far away we live. You know, we don't want to out yeah. or anything. I mean, Chuck, you and I live thirty-six <laughs> miles apart. 
It's not and, too bad. That's the, and, that's, uh, the, that's the length of the state, by the way. It's about 36 oh, miles. Wow. And he no, doesn't even not. have, forget a footprint. He doesn't even have a, you know, a, really? a priest or a chance in hell that anyone knows he is out this far. But um, love, love this fight. Love that they're doing it in, in Brazil. Chuck, like uh, preparing yeah, these trivia questions reminded me that Max Holloway had to travel to Brazil to dethrone Jose Aldo. Like 100%. doing like, I love the, the, the idea that's of Moreno Figueroa going to Mexico, like the or not Figueroa. Yeah. The idea of that type of that's passion. what's great about it. That's what's great about it. If you're going to be a heel, put all the to say you beat a guy and then you put all of, all of the chips in his corner and you say like, hey, let's go do it again on your terms and I'll just do the exact same thing I just did to you. That's love that's it. healed him. You oh, know what else I loved? So Glover, I I don't know if like he was in or sorry he was in Anaheim uh, to meet with officials and sign the deal or if they flew him out to do a little advertisement like they do with the fighters who have yeah, a fight yeah. coming up. So they put Glover in the front row like they do a lot of times. And Chuck, you've been to these UFC fights. It is, um, you know, it, it is a, it's a different crowd, but it's like yes. they're, you know, if, if the MMA awards that we went to was like MMA prom, this is like, you know, people flaunt it. And he shows up in like the dad Venom <laughs> UFC tracksuit <laughs> yes. that he probably got for free. Like just total, like that's Dude. Glover, man. He doesn't give a damn, man. I mean, he doesn't give a damn. That is exactly who he is. He's nobody other than that, man. That's exactly who he is. So and would I love, you say I love that beyond just living close to him and probably having interviewed him in person a few times, are you guys like friends? Like, is this like, because you were friends with Corey Graves of WWE fame, a great guy. Who, well, Corey lived right down the road. I mean, literally, I could walk to his house. I could walk. And, and when you were like, yo, bro, you should come over. Like, I got Corey Graves here. I'm yeah. like, oh, shit. Like, we're getting, like yeah, you're not yeah, having, yeah, like, man. Glover's not, like, in your basement, like, telling you inside stories about how hot Joanna is on Instagram or anything like that. That's not like really happening, right? No, he, he says it. He says it right in my driveway. He talks about Joanna. Like, but like, in <laughs> term, no, but we, uh, <laughs> he lives so close that uh, we've had dinner once. He wants to do it again uh, soon. So, I mean, like, oh, I, I don't really know him, but dude, he knows, he knows that I'm involved in the game and he's just so down to earth, man. Okay, he we need a Connecticut summit yeah. of, of us power yes. brokers here. Yes, there you go. There you go, Combat man. Connecticut, yeah. To bad Chad Dawson also in that group. Okay, he'll be fighting yeah. Vitor Belfort coming up if you care. But no, I uh, love that fight. Love it's in Brazil. Glover's getting his victory lap here. And whether he hangs on to the belt or not, this has been it's been a great story, Chuck. It really has. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Chuck, it's Thanks been great. Thanks for having me on, brother. It's been great having fun. you here. Uh, where can people find you? Please shout your entire catalog <laughs> off here. My entire catalog? Well, I think the Twitter is probably the best one. It's just at Chuck Mendenhall. That's it, okay. right? And then I, I do have an Instagram. Are you guys posting it? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Instagram. Uh, oh, there it is. There is Instagram. <coughs> it just has the underscore in there. I, I actually need to start doing the Instagram more, man. I feel like you I do. neglect it. You should yeah. do it. Instagram, you know, Luke loves it. Luke's always like, BC, yes, what? Does. You know, you don't, you don't put enough social posts out, out there. You know, like, you know. Luke wants to I give like all his social takes posts because it's your it's your family, it's your dog, it's yeah. your cat, it's uh, stuff like that. I get to see but, a different side. That's good. But we can we can listen to you with the uh, Ringer Spotify show. What what should the fans know? About yeah. So we're we're doing the Ringer uh, MMA show. I it's after every major pay per view, but we're trying to do it either every Thursday and every Saturday, like so a couple times a week. Um, it's still being kind of worked out, but that's generally uh, when we do it. Wow! Imagine if we end up going head to head with that show, meaning we Morning Combat, you know, something you're yeah. also a part of. In and you, it's like this WCW WWF thing, and you're showing up on one show. One, it's like you're Rick Root or something here, Chuck. Yeah, that you know, at that, that point, money. are people voting for? You know, us or Ariel, or are they voting for you at the end of the day? You know, it's going it's gonna to hey be Hey, man, I've, I've got skin in both games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I celebrate all of our awards. This is great. Absolutely. Uh, Chuck, great to have you. You can Thanks, check man. out our Morning Combat merch, which Chuck has a few items I that do. we gifted him. I hope. 
that you'll wear it around your area in Connecticut. I do. People could be like, damn right. Uh, Morningcombat.store is our great merch store. And right now, you can get 10% off using the code LIVE10. We have plenty new merchandise on there. If you like the whole Luke um, skull line, we got more items in that category, more items in the logo thing with the sun and the asshole. So check that out <laughs> as well. The fist in the sun. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> Live 10 is the promo code. 30 days free of showtime. Hey, Bellator back with a bang. Bader Moldovsky for the undisputed heavyweight title this Saturday night. You can get your 30-day free trial right now at showtime.com. Check out, uh, Bill. I'm, I'm a billions guy. They got, they have, you know what they have, uh, Chuck? If you get the app, then you look at them. They're on-demand content for movies. They are overloaded with great 70s neo-noir crime films. I love really? that shit. Yes. See, I'm yes. into that shit too. I was All watching right, Serpico. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going deep there. Chuck. Nice, All right. nice, like, man. To check that. You got good shit taste. Out. Right. Uh, go to YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat right now to check out Chuck joining us for High Court debating the Hall of Fame resume of one Michael Bisping. So you can check all that stuff out. You can check out Chuck's great work. Uh, do you have your own website? Is that the deal? Yeah, themyth.com. Myth.com. Yep. Man in the damn hat. There he is, That's Chuck right. Hall. For our great team here. At Morning Combat, at CBS, at Showtime. You see our email address right there, Morning Combat, at Gmail for Wednesdays, fan submissions, Fridays, dead wrongs. And for our great staff here, uh, Gaff on the ones and twos running the show today. Uh, my name is Brian Campbell. That is Chuck Mindenhall. Luke Thomas will be back next week, but give him his time. Let him enjoy it. Uh, who's going to be next to me this week? You're going to have to wait and see. But we got two words for you. We out.